You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. We are back, and we are ready to talk about some movies, baby. That's what we do, baby. <laughs> baby, ooh, baby. Um, <laughs> so, are you the face of the heel? I am the. Uh, ooh, I don't know what I am. Right? What? Right. That, 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 that's a profound question. It's too early to be answering questions like that. Um, I'd like to I'm think probably of the arch. I'm. Pro- I'd, I'd like to think. <laughs> yeah, I'm the bunion of the. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to believe I'm. I, I have more fun with the heel, uh, but uh, you know, some people might call me the face. I'm the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> um, we're definitely a couple balls. There's no doubt about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> the testes guide to. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> here to help you out. Um, now I'm completely thrown off. Uh, I already have enough trouble with these <laughs> intros as it is. Uh, now I'm completely thrown off. Welcome back to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. It's Todd and Sammy. We are back to talk about some movies. Going back in time a little bit to discuss yes. some cinema. We are going to be doing Winter Kills from 1979. Directed by... William Rickert, Richard, 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 uh, Richard, I guess. I don't know. Rickard or Richard. One or the other. Not a hundred percent on that one. Not a hundred percent on that one. No. And you turn directed by Oliver Stone from 1997, mm-hmm. which is an interesting rewatch for me. I don't know how it went for you, but it, uh, I have some thoughts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have thoughts, Todd. I have thoughts. Well, yeah, I have those occasionally. I got to fucking stomp them down. But, Which is good, you know, though. I mean, shit you know, happens. You shit do it. Happens. Yeah, you do a podcast. Uh, you know, you, you, you set up yourself to record and talk about movies. It's, it's good if you have thoughts. If you watch a movie and you don't have anything to talk about. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. You know, so that. Uh, the sad part is it happens more than I would like it to happen. Mm, so it is not as easy as folks think it is. 
I think. Mm, yeah, no. Um, I could just dial up a you know a trivia page or potentially a I, Wikipedia I, page, and, and you then, could dial up Santa Claus for that matter. I mean, I did really. buy. I did just buy yesterday the 4K version of Dial Code Santa Claus. The uh, the uh, uh okay yeah, yeah yeah I know what you're talking the French um, yeah the one we covered right. the Deadly Games I think is also known as right oh that was that was before my time but yeah yeah that was before your time yeah yeah Vincent had that on there and I was just like you know I want that because it's such a oddity yeah 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 so I dropped some coin on that and uh, I finally did it I dropped coin on Beastmaster 4K. Good for you. Yeah. I, Man, that was some fucking, that was some cock teasing you did there. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't hold off any longer. Finally did it. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who will, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but I'm the kind of person who will put stuff in my digital cart. And, and just fucking leave it there. And just leave it there for days, weeks, months. I'll walk away. I'll come back. I'm so indecisive when it comes to, I'm such a tightwad. And, uh. <laughs> I, I like deals, you know, I'm just that kind of guy. So I'm constantly waiting for stuff to go on sale because I always feel like, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I always feel like I'll buy it and a week later it'll go on sale. Yep. Every uh, fucking time. Yeah. And so I'm so gun shy and very rarely and do I buy anything brand the, new. The, the problem here is that with, with the sort of movies that you and I will gravitate towards buying, Mm-hmm. It becomes a crapshoot because you're like, okay, I'm, I really would like for this to not be fucking forty fucking dollars for one movie. Yes. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm gonna wait on it. I'm gonna wait on it. Wait on it. Then you wait on just a hair too long. And next thing you know, it's out of print. It's sold out. Yeah. And assholes are selling it for a thousand dollars on eBay. And you're like, yeah. really? Yeah. This thing's not even out of print yet. And it's like the Mondo movie thing with the fucking posters where they. they oh yeah, yeah. This thing's not even like a hundred. A hundred. They print a fucking hundred posters. Really, douche. Yeah. Really. The Beastmaster. Really? Yeah. The Beastmaster thing isn't even out of print yet, and they're already selling it for twice as much on eBay. Like you can't oh, find it for that. less than eighty bucks. And I'm like, well, that's oh, stupid. And so I just went to Vincent itself and just bought it for $44.99, which is a lot. And I'll, I'll admit it's a lot, but Beastmaster Dude, is I, I, an infinitely re- yeah, it's an infinitely rewatchable film for me. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, like I said, it was the very first movie that I ever rented on uh, VHS from a little kiosk in the mall. Yeah, yeah. But... Dude, forty five dollars. I can't. I, I, yeah, I can't. I, I can't justify it. I totally understand. I totally understand. I have a hard enough time. Again, it was sitting in my <laughs> cart forever, uh, and finally, I acted on it. Don't know what yeah. it did. What it did that made me act on it, but it happened. You know, it and, makes and, you happy. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. a. Again, I'm I'm more of a deal seeker than I am anything else. I mean, a lot of times when we're doing this podcast. Uh, I'll just give you a kind of behind the scenes. Uh, Todd's probably seen it because I share my screen sometimes when we're recording, but I'll be looking around at Blu-ray.com. I'll be looking for deals while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> I'm a total addict, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Sammy, don't tell them all our secrets. Yes, well, I can't help it. Anyway, um, I just pulled up uh, that now. I see Thunder the Barbarian. Uh, the series is coming out on Warner Archives Blu-ray. That might is it get really nice. <laughs> might, that might get purchased. I do have the the uh, the DVDs of those. Two two, two weeks. I, it says. I, two I'm weeks. debating whether now I'm debating whether I need a, a Blu-ray update of that. Thirty dollars complete series. Not, not, not a bad 
Not a bad deal. It's okay. Not a bad deal. I bet that'll go down a little bit. My, listen, my price point tends to be around 20 to 30. Yes, 30. Is where like, I, I tend to draw the line. After that, it's it's like, dude, you're just fucking scalping me now. So, so I don't know what it is about me either, but 30 tends to be my limit as well. And I think that's part of the problem I'm having. Though? Yeah, well, that's, that, that's, but that's 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 people in general, and that's like things in general. That's why you see so many fucking stupid commercials with like that Shamwell jerk off, <laughs> who, who, who like you know he, everything's twenty nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine, but you can get a second one. All you got to pay is separate posting and handling. Okay, yeah, great. But the, the point is, mm-hmm. you, you you tip out at like twenty to thirty dollars. Yeah. Most yeah. most human beings in America. That tends to be their like their their uh, their line where like they're like this is reasonable this is an okay deal for what they're getting. Well, you know another thing they get you on, and again this is you know these are good problems to have. I, I should say that there's there's much worse problems to have than what I'm complaining about. Um, where they get me a lot is you know seventy five dollars and it's free shipping. I'm like oh really? Well, <laughs> it just so happens there's another movie I want to. <laughs> So that's why I ended up getting Dow Code Santa Claus. See, now you got me looking at this fucking Beastmaster fucking 4K. <laughs> yes. God damn it. This new fucking commentary with Koshkara. Ah. Yeah, there's there's also some spe- special effects touch-ups. Like it's what do you a, mean touch-ups? A, well, I mean, evidently the they they allowed Coscarelli to go back and touch up some things. Are we talking reshooting or are we yeah, talking like not CG? reshooting? I think we're talking maybe some uh, additional CG, maybe or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I think he Lucas did. So I don't know. I don't think it's anything uh, intrusive. Maybe he actually <sighs> colored the uh, the tiger the right color. Instead. Yeah, but the color the the tiger was cool black. I mean, well, was, he was he was cool. He would have been cool. Interesting. It was different. It was well, yeah, he would have been cool if he was black. If he wasn't painted black. But yeah, it would. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Either way, yeah, let's let's get off of my DVD and Blu-ray buying habits. They are either depending on who you are, they are amazing to have these habits, or they are a problem. <laughs> um, either way, uh, it's it's never going to. Defi- it is definitely one of those. It's never going to end for me, and that I've I've come to that conclusion, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, yeah. uh, no shame in my game. Uh, you know, if I didn't watch them, that would be another thing. If I bought them, and, and don't get me wrong, I buy a lot of them and they sit for a long time. But oh, I watch them all. I watch them all. There's, you know, there might be a couple that I've had for a decade that I haven't watched, but I watch them all. So eventually, a lot yeah. of them end up being on the show. As a matter of fact, so <laughs> Beastmaster will not be, unfortunately, because we've already done that. And neither will Dial Code, Santa Claus, a.k.a. Deadly Games. It will not be uh, on the show either. But I have those now. So don't know why that's a big deal to me, but it is. And some of you understand that out there. I know you do. (laughs) Um, All right. Um, Let's get into what we've been watching. We're done talking about my buying habits. Mm -hmm. Although there is a, I got my eyes on an Explorers, Joe Dante, Shout Select, Explorers, Special edition coming out. <laughs> Good God, man! <laughs> you you got to tamp that down. I can't stop. You got to tuck that hard on under your belt at some point. To, can't Jesus. stop. Can't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. 
Yeah. There you go. I mean, I'm the kind of person who buys movies. I mean, you're you're probably not this guy, so you don't have this problem. But I'm the kind of person who will buy stuff I didn't really like if the price is right. I listen for a long time. I was buying shit I had never even seen. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm just like boom, 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 just buying, 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 buying. And then I, I, it, the problem is that after X amount of times that you watch it, you're like. Oh, that happened, yeah. and I'm never going to watch this again. You're See, just like, you know what? To me, that yeah, I I, I really got to fucking put yeah. my foot on the brake on with this shit. To me, that's not as bad though. To me, buying a movie you never seen, I mean that that's the same. I mean, if if, if I'm going to buy fifty, if I'm going to spend fifteen dollars, for instance, on a Blu-ray. Okay, okay, sure. Let's say, I mean, that's going to be a day at the movies if I go to the movies. Uh, maybe yeah, not. but that's if it's but that's you're also saying that that's the price point for and and you know, you also have to remember that. For my personal case, that's not what it is. You know, no, yeah, I would um, go to the movies. I would spend maybe ten dollars, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm going to blow fucking twenty or thirty on a movie that I have no clue what I'm getting into, then that's you know this thing either has to pay off or I need to be a little more discriminate about what I'm mm-hmm. uh, what I'm actually you know buying because i have shelves i have like over three thousand movies sitting in my fucking house <laughs> half of them i'm never gonna look at it again yeah. uh and and out of that half 90 percent of those are garbage so it's <laughs> you know yeah that is also the collector's dilemma <laughs> well i mean yeah i mean you want to talk about addiction i mean <laughs> Well, this is up there with the crack cocaine. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. No, no. It's it's a it's an issue. I highly recommend people go buy that five ninety nine Tron Legacy though. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, go buy the fucking go buy the uh, the the soundtrack and then be just do that. Yeah. I think it'd be better off with uh, as far as Tron Legacy goes. Uh, well, what about my the, personal opinion? What but, about the six ninety nine Ed Wood on Blue? I'd, I'd, I'd recommend that. That one. is well worth it. <laughs> Yeah. That is a hundred percent worth jump it. That's on that actually one. worth. That is a twice the price deal. Yeah, jump on that one immediately. And here I am doing an advertisement essentially for Blu-ray dot com. <laughs> right. That's why I can't go on there because I'd be like, ah. Yeah, I know. I, I should stay off of there, but it's probably the website I visit the most at this point. All right, let's <laughs> let's get let's get into, yeah let's get into what we've been watching. I don't want to know. No, I want to just want to just just want to talk about just deals. Want to window shop. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we could jump into this. So, uh, I did a rewatch again, 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 again of Kill and Kill again. Um, and this is, um, one of those movies that has so many influences on it, uh, but it still manages to be, uh, very memorable, uh, even kind of unique, either because of or in spite of these influences. Um, and basically, this is for those who don't know. This is essentially well, it's it's a lot of things. It is uh, it's an assemble the team movie. Uh, it's a tournament movie. It's a super spy movie. Uh, it's a light comedy. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
but it's also a uh, uh, like a, it's this weird kind of like almost vanity martial arts film for uh, for James Ryan who plays Steve Chase in this movie, uh, and he's this character who, who has or I, I'm assuming in, in real life has one of the most distinctive uh, martial arts yells in the history of cinema. Um, the villain in this thing is uh, not only not intimidating. Um, he's the kind of guy who gets bossed around by his, like, um, I guess she's trying to impersonate Cindy Lauper, uh, girlfriend that not only does he get in it, it bossed around by her, but he also sports what could very well be the fakest facial hair, Ooh. uh, this side of a, a Shaw brothers movie. Ah. Uh, wow. what the movie lacks in, uh, in things like quality, uh, I think it makes up for an energy. Mm. Um, and this thing is really, it's really trying, uh, and not, not like your patience. Um, it's really trying to do what it's trying to do. And, and I, I, there's a part of me that admires that. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, this is one of those movies that I think that I may have watched, uh, roughly a million times on cable back in the day. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not going to disguise the fact that part of my enjoyment out of this thing is like pure nostalgia. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I continually have fun with this one, even though every time that I watch it more and more and more of its flaws, uh, tend to stick up like the, uh, the nail that needs to get hammered down. Yeah. Um, but I, I still, yeah, I got a big old fucking soft spot for this one. Saw that in the drive-in, um, that movie. Did you really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, I think uh, I I I think my first viewing was on HBO and then like my next 20 25 viewings of it was HBO. Uh, but yeah, no, I I, I like it. I, uh, like unreasonably I like this movie. Um uh not to a level of chud which is legit good. Uh but uh, you know, okay, what are you going to do? Um yeah. And then I went back to the Krimi uh, pond for a movie called The Avenger from 1960, uh, directed by Carl Anton. Uh, and this is another one down uh, for me. So, um, And this one, um, where David Fincher had uh, only uh, one decapita- decapitated head in the box uh, at the end of uh, Seven, this particular movie uh, kicks off the very first scene uh, with one. Uh, and then uh, you know has the, another one down the the road a little bit. So it's, this is already outdone David Fincher. So congratulations to uh, Carl Anton. Um, the movie it uh, it's very fast. Uh, like how do I want to say it, the the quality of it is like fast and cheap, right? Um, so yeah, um, it, you know it, it has a very young soft-spoken Klaus Kinski in it, uh, who I, I found out that he actually appeared in quite a few Krimis uh, subsequently, but I, I, I'm pretty sure this is his first one because this is only like maybe the, uh, third third or fourth out of the Rialto cycle uh, entirely. Um, and, uh, you know, he, but he, he shows up and he still he still creeps around. Uh, he, this, I, I just love how the guy had this innate quality of creepiness to him. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, when you say Klaus Kinski, you think like uh, dirty, but maybe that's just me. Um, <laughs> no. There is a um, there is romance angle to this thing that I don't think quite fits. 
uh, and I found it to be kind of uh, distracting. Um, as is the uh, the whole angle of the uh, this young actress's uh, burgeoning film career, who she's played by Ina Dusha. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, and then the the really weird thing, the thing that sticks out the the hammer that uh, that or the I'm sorry, the nail that sticks up element of this movie uh, is there is a um, uh, there's a black character uh, in this that's uh, you know actually pretty offensive uh in his portrayal uh this is a character he's he's mute uh he's hunchbacked he's this furry uh and i'm not saying that like euphemistically he's furry uh giant guy Mm. who tells characters apart by smelling them uh and he wears a chain around his wrist and around his ankle Mm. um so you know just to let you know uh, that, uh, you know, this thing is, is it, it's weird. But the inclusion of, of this character is is actually more striking for how dissociated uh, from reality that he is. He's he, Because he's, he's just so, so out of left field. Uh, he's kind of a bit reminiscent of, um, of the Wukalar uh, from uh, The Private Eyes that we covered a little while back. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, he's that kind of... Uh, that sort of like character type, but uh, you know, at the same time, I think that he's kind of fitting considering, uh, the story and its setting, but, uh, it, you know, it just, it's so, it's so out of the blue, uh, that he shows up that it's just, you, you're just scratching your head. Uh, but the point is that, you know, the character, you know, it, it sort of plays into the film's sense of, uh, exoticism. Uh, and mysticism. I mean, this was 1960, so the world was still a whole lot bigger uh, mm. than it is now. Um, and these two elements, uh, you know, the exotic and mystic, uh, is very, very heavy in the movie since uh, one of the characters is this sort of um, uh, globetrotting aristocrat. Um, but, you know, this being the case, I, I feel like the, fam- the film is... Uh, is... <sighs> at the end of the day, I think it's pretty sloppily structured. Um, cause it's one of these movies where it, uh, it tends to forget about its main narrative for like a large chunk, uh, of time in favor, in favor of, uh, these, uh, odd, more melodramatic goings on. Um, and you know, a lot of the movie takes place, uh, with like these, this sort of, uh, uh, machinations behind the scenes of like a movie being shot like on screen uh and i don't think the ending uh i don't think the ending really justifies uh everything else that's come up to it i mean it does get sufficiently gruesome uh so it's okay in that uh but you know i i at the end of the day i think the movie is 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 all right i mean it's heavily flawed it's kind of slow but it's like it's not the worst thing i've ever seen uh so in in uh in the uh, the crimmy journey that i've been on so far uh this is the the first kind of uh stumble uh, i wouldn't say trip and fall and smack your face on the pavement but uh this is uh you know just kind of a Hey, I just uh, tripped over a, uh, a large hunk of dog shit. Uh, I should watch out for that next time. Uh, so there was that. 
Uh, I then dug back into, which is this is going to be the uh, the running theme, hopefully, for the next few weeks, uh, the Sartana box set from Arrow. And I watched uh, I Am Sartana, Your Angel of Death, a.k.a. Sartana the Gravedigger, a.k.a. I Am Sartana, Your Friend to the End. Um, <laughs> yeah, those titles. <laughs> well, the last one I made up, but, you know, hey. Uh, but this one, uh, this one's helped out. Uh, with some uh, some better direction, courtesy of Giuliano Carnameo, uh, who I'll be perfectly frank, uh, this guy has never made a movie that I've loved. Um, most people probably know him from uh, Exterminators of the Year Three Thousand. Oh yeah, um, which is <laughs> a lackluster uh, post-apocalypse uh, movie. Uh, in my opinion, I mean people people may like it. I, I believe uh, most people. Um, Enjoy it because it has um, uh, Fretza, the kid, uh, yeah. in there. I do yeah. believe at some point or another. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gianni Garco shows up again. You know, he's continuing his uh, his solid work as the uh, Sartana, Sartana character. Excuse me. Uh, and in this one, he's uh, he's backed up by uh, Klaus Kinski again. Because uh, he, you know, Kinski being in the first one, and uh, you know, also a nice little through line that he was in the adventure, um, and uh, he's also backed up by Frank Wolf, uh, who you know is a, a, a character actor who everyone always assumed was uh, Italian, but wasn't. Uh, I think his one of his first movies was uh, uh, Beast from Beast of the Haunted Cave, Beast from the Haunted Cave, uh, the uh, Roger Corman movie. Uh, I want to say that was one of his first movies, if not his first movie, I may be incorrect on that, but, um, and, uh, you know, and, and this particular picture, he really gets to, uh, to dig into, uh, his performance, uh, playing a very rough and tough guy, which, uh, I'll, I, I'll be honest. I don't think you really saw a lot of him doing that sort of thing. Uh, in Italian movies, you usually tend to be like a cuckolded kind of guy. Uh, very like, um, you know. Uh, coward, poltroonic uh, sort of uh, character, mm-hmm. uh, and in this one he's not. He actually tends to be a bit uh, a bit rough. Uh, all things uh, you know being equal, uh, and uh, Garco's also uh, backed up very 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 briefly uh, by the uh, block of granite, uh, Gordon Mitchell, uh, who gets a small role in this movie. Uh, and for those of you who know Gordon Mitchell, you know exactly what I'm saying when I call him a block of granite. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Sartana, the character, does get a bit more personality in this one uh, because, you know, he, he's the movie focuses a lot more on him being uh, much more of like a card sharp uh, as well as being a bounty hunter, uh, although that's kind of pushed to the side. And the story itself uh, is very, very, very involved with uh, with gamblers and gambling, which I <laughs> I got a kick out of this one. Uh, one of the casino signs in the in the movie spells gambling with an R. Uh, so it's gambling is G A M B R L I N G, which is so difficult to pronounce. And yet when you see it on screen, you're just kind of like, Oh, that's not right. You know, um, I was so. thinking about Carnamillo the other day, actually, cause I was thinking about picking, did you, have you ever seen convoy buddies? Convoy buddies. Is that a Hill Spencer thing? Well, it's a ripoff of Hill and Spencer with Paul Smith and Antonio Cantafora. <laughs> <laughs> Of Paul Smith that's, being Bud that's Spencer. That's saying that we were going to do a Duke, a Duke Mitchell uh, Portillo movie. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was actually thinking about picking that the other day because a lot of people think it is a Hill and Spencer movie, and it's sold as a Hill and Spencer movie, but it's Paul Smith and 
Cantafora. So, <laughs> I, I, the name sounds very familiar. I have not seen it. Yeah, you've probably seen the or poster. At least not, the, not to my knowledge, I haven't. I'm kind of surprised you don't like some of his films. Uh, I mean, I can't think of one. I, you know, I looked very briefly when Case of the Bloody when, Irish, I, I noticed, when I saw his name come up. I, I looked very briefly uh, at it, but. Honestly, I, I can't. I think none of them stuck out to me as something that, like I like liked. Three Sartana movies. Yeah, yeah. He did quite a bit of uh, westerns. I think uh, they call him Cemetery. Well, he did the Rat Man, which was horrible. Oh, that's a that's a bad movie. Yes, uh, dude, Ed, that's dirt. I mean, that's just come on. <laughs> but uh, it's it's hard to make an argument for that one. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, looking at looking at his filmography, it's either it's exploitation or westerns. Um, Exploitation of westerns, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean that that was pretty much what he did. I think uh, the case of the Buddy Iris is, is the only one that was uh, a yeah, even that one. I, I was never all that impressed by that one. Yeah, so yeah, it's not one of the best. Well, we did, uh, no, we didn't do that. We did Case of the Scorpion's Tail mm-hmm. recently. Well, within the past year, I want to say. Uh, regardless, there's the, uh, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of his movies. I mean, I've I've been wanting to do the Holy Ghost one for a while. Maybe I'll do it at some point. That's a Gianni Garco one where he plays a supernatural gunfighter. Nice. That that actually sounds interesting. I there is there is one spaghetti western that I've been sitting on. Um, uh, that I've just I've been really reticent to pull the trigger on, but I'm I'm also super excited to get to, and I'm not going to say the name of it. Uh, but part of the reason that I don't want to drop the hammer on it is because of the runtime on it. Yes. It's, I, I think it's a little bit excessive. Um, but you know, Hey, I, I, it will be coming up uh, at some point in the, in the, in the near future. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Right. Uh, but it's, it, yeah, it's something that's, yeah, it's a real roll of dice. Uh, so yeah, regardless, uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to, I am Sartana, your angel of death. Uh, this one has the, uh, the interesting angle of there being two Sartanas, basically, even though not really. Uh, and, and the, uh, the whole idea of it gets milked well enough. Um, though, I mean, when you think about it for more than five seconds, it, it gets pretty flimsy from a, a practical, uh, perspective. Um, and I think that this movie gets overly complicated, uh, as these, things could kind of tend to do uh and i think that because of that the pacing tends to suffer a little bit um but i mean at the end of the day it, it's pretty good in terms of uh in terms of bringing the lead character out of his shell so to speak uh and it's it's entertaining enough so uh you know it was a, a moderately enjoyable uh uh first time watch a, a, a little bit of a step up from the uh, the initial movie uh and hopefully Moving in the uh, in the right direction. Uh, looking forward to uh, you know the next three, uh, and that brings me to Legend of the Mountain. Uh, I finally tackled this one, uh, which I talked about a couple weeks ago, uh, and this is Late Cycle King Who, uh, and it definitely has all of the uh, all the hallmarks of his touch, uh, namely being extremely beautiful uh, and extremely glacial in pacing up until around the last third or so. Uh, which, you know, out of a three hour and 12 minute movie, um, you tend to feel the length very quickly, uh, and, uh, very, uh, very slowly, uh, kind of like some, uh, some anal videos that are out there. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to name names. Um, I'll drop that right now. I won't even, I won't even <laughs> comment on that. 
we edit that out. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so the, the the story itself feels uh, feels pretty standard. Involving it involves uh, ghosts and ghosts and or demons, uh, and a a copyist and a holy man. Um, but the movie itself, I, I, it really does stand out for the the visuals, which are absolutely stunning. Um, that being said, I, I, I would like to say that I was entertained, but I, I can't say that I was, um, since this is, you know, it's much like, like just about everything, every other movie of, of, uh, who's that I've watched. It's very, it tends to be, uh, more, uh, meditative, uh, than anything else. Uh, and I think that unless you're in a meditative mood, uh, you may not get as much out of this uh, or, you know, anything really in his filmography. Although, you know, I really got to say that I, I, for how blown away I was by Dragon uh, Dragon Inn, uh, this one kind of let me down. Um, so, and, and listen, I'm sure that there are, uh, I'm sure that there are Asian cinema and or King Who authorities uh, who would scold me for saying that, but, you know, nevertheless, it's true. Um, that being the case, you know, I, I also, I, I really can't dismiss the film because it is, uh, so masterfully crafted. Uh, so I, I think that at the end of, uh, well, at the end of the day, uh, ultimately, um, it, I think that it's safe to say that I appreciated this one more than I like it. Um, but I, I think that it still has a ton of value, uh, for me just in the, uh, the cinematography and production design. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if you put my feet to the fire, I would say that this thing, it looks great. Well, I, uh, I would sum it up with the, with the, my, my go-to, which is, you know, uh, a mile long and one, one inch deep. Um, because it just, it, it just drags ass. Uh, over the finish line, um, and it just it it takes so long to get where it's going, and I, I don't know. Maybe it's me at this point. Maybe you know because I'm I'm creeping up on uh, on uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for mortality uh, that I'm just kind of like I'm just kind of like you know what man I just I want to have fun with fucking movies. I, mm. I my my tolerance for for things that are are you know just these slow uh, things that I, I really have to be in the mood at this point mm. uh, for me to uh, to get into, and I you know it's horrible to say uh, as somebody who who loves movies uh, as much as I do, or I think in general it's it's a horrible thing to say. It's a horrible realization to come to that you're not willing to invest, uh, the sort of time that, uh, that a movie like legend of the mountain demands of you, uh, and, and to, to, uh, not be willing to invest the, uh, the level of, of commitment to, you know, to go along with what's happening on screen. But at the same time, I mean, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of coming to that point. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know what that says about me. I don't know if that delegitimizes my, uh, my perspective on uh, on movies uh, generally, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. I don't know, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I just I don't I I I I don't know. I mean, 
it is what it is. I mean, like I said, I mean, I find the movie, I, I find the movie beautiful. I find the movie, you know, fascinating. I find the movie to be, you know, incredibly uh, well made. Uh, but at the same time, you, you're just sitting there like, oh my god, this is taking four fucking ever. Uh, and I, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just not the the movie for me, or maybe I just wasn't in the the right mood. Uh, or like I said, maybe I've just lost it. I don't know. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Um, so, but that's what it is. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sign off on that one. Uh, and that is, uh, all that I watched for the week. So, there we go. all right. What did I get into? I got into a few things this week. Um, watched Judas of the Black Messiah. Okay. This is the, uh, day and date uh streaming hbo max film mm-hmm. uh directed by shaba king i think is uh who's directed by i think that's the name of the fella um shaka king there you go how about that shaba okay. shaka you say tomato i say tomato is he gonna rock you gonna rocky shaka yeah, whatever shaka, his last shaka, name is? shaka king shaka king shaka king shaka king let me rock you, shaka king <laughs> um, rock it. that's all i want yeah <laughs> This is a good movie. Uh, it's not a great movie. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are, are putting some heft and weight on this thing that I don't think's there. I think this thing's mixed. It, it's got uh, some genre elements that seem out of place. Okay. Um, I, I've heard the title. That's all I know about. Yeah. It, so. I mean, it, it's it's well acted. It's over long. Um, but the acting is good. Lakeith Stanf- Stanfield, or I think it's his name. And oh the, yeah, he, yeah, I like him. Yeah, yeah I like and him. the uh, gentleman from um, Black Panther and uh, yeah, um, what's his name? David Kaluuya, I think so. Daniel Kaluuya, not David. Sorry, he's pretty good in it as well. And so is uh, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons has become this kind of uh, white bread uh, kind of character actor in a way. But uh, I like him. I think he's got an interesting look. You know. Uh, it, it's a good movie, like I said. I, I like so I don't think it's it's great, but it's it's certainly very solid and very well acted. It's just a bit of a mess. Doesn't really know what it wants to be. I think there's a good story here about betrayal and potential things like that, but I think it's kind of messed up by odd shootouts and fight scenes. And I'm like, what what am I, what am I watching here? I think it kind of takes it away from the tone of it a little bit. So, bit of a mess that way. Um. I would recommend people check it out, though. It's good. Uh, Paradox. Where's that at? Uh, that's on HBO Max right now. Okay. Paradox. This is uh, one that was recommended to me by good friend Troy over at the Not A Bomb podcast. Those guys get a lot of mentions on this show lately. Um, you know, I talked to you about, you know, the minefield that was modern action films out of uh, mm-hmm. Asia. There's a lot of them. And, you know, sometimes you get a gym. Sometimes you get a, a joint. Turd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to call it this is paradox this is a wilson yip jam um this movie is pretty good man i tell you this thing had some impact i was kind of surprised at how good it was and how caught up in it i got it was so good as a matter of fact i might bump it up our queue we might cover this soon because mm-hmm. i'd like to hear your opinion of it but it was good Bobby. i don't like it um <laughs> nice um like that? yeah uh this one's got um louis Koo and uh uh woo you i think his name is a woo you uh not 
King Who, but Wu Yu. <laughs> and uh, Tony Jaws in here as well. And uh, Chris okay. Chris Collins, who is uh, kind of, uh, he's, a I think, an ex-Marine or whatever. But I think he's been working with Sammo Hung quite a bit. Sammo Hung does the uh, action choreography in this one. So, you know, the fight scenes are good. I don't know if I've ever really bought Louis Koo, though, as a martial artist. You know, he's more of a he's more of a crime kind of film actor to me. With a right, right. you know, he's he's like better with a gun and a cigarette than he is with his hands. But he's he's okay in this. But uh, yeah, we we might less said about this one the better. I think we might talk about it. it's a fantastic poster by the way. It's got an amazing poster. Um, did a rewatch of the Stone Killer with commentary. Uh, I had to check that out again. Uh, got to listen to him talk about Michael Winter and what a prick he could be off camera and listen to him talk about Charles Bronson, what a prick he could be. <laughs> and then potentially the reason why Winter and Bronson work so well together is because they were both pricks. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Which is, you know, hey, that, that's that's the way it is sometimes, I guess. You Shit know. happens, man. Yeah. I was, uh, was I watching Trailers from Hell? I watched the Trailers from Hell for Chato's Land, the John Landis, was he did it uh. on he was talking about how everybody uh, that worked on the movie got a sandwich and an orange in a bag <laughs> for lunch. But Michael Winter and Charles Bronson uh, got uh, dinner flown in from France. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that should tell you a lot about uh, Michael Winter and Charles Bronson's uh, relationship. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, it's pretty good. It's got an, that disc has got an interview with, uh, Paul Coslow on there and, uh, it gets into some good details about, uh, you know, Bronson's kind of, uh, back history growing up and his kind of the way he looked at movies and, uh, you know, essentially like, uh, was it Alex Winter said in that Canon documentary that watching Charles Bronson acts akin to watching somebody play golf <laughs> and pull up in the golf cart. He'd say his line, he'd shoot his gun. Then he'd drive off back to his trailer. <laughs> pretty much wait for the next scene <laughs> um but you know he knew his market right and uh you know whether you like that or not that's you know i don't think charles bronson would ever been considered a great actor a good actor surely but no he was a uh hollywood star yeah i mean he was yeah more of an enigma really in some ways than anything to me he's as time well he was also he was also of a certain time right i mean of a time when you could get by way more uh just with a uh, a certain look to you yeah um and uh, i guess you could argue that uh, it's become well I, I i would certainly understand people having the argument that you could that it's gotten way more looks oriented than talent oriented yeah uh as time's gone on well i mean there's they're, um, they're still trying but to this, but, but but my point is there was a certain time when uh when when being when not looking exactly like everybody else did uh, actually meant something for your marquee value. And I think that's where guys like Charles Bronson fit in. Yes. Yes. There was that time. Um, and some directors still use that. Some filmmakers still use that to their advantage. But there tends to be, and this has always been the case with Hollywood, right? I mean, there tends to be a look that folks look for. Um, anyway, it was good. It was good. It was a good, uh, I bought this, uh, indicator Blu-ray off of some guy I know for five bucks and I, I'm glad I did. Man, look at the deals. Always, always looking for deals, man. Gotta, damn, gotta settle that habit. Gotta, you know, 
so this one, this is where me and you, if there's a road where me and you fork, <laughs> and I say fork, Uh-oh. it's probably with Godzilla. And, fork you. Yeah, and this is uh, the 2019 Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, I remember <laughs> yeah, that reaction. I remember uh, you saying you were very forgiving of these kinds of movies, and obviously, I I am, I still am. Yeah, uh, I can tell. Um, <laughs> I'm not as forgiving. Uh, I, it's understandable. Yeah, I think the only thing I liked about this was the monsters. Okay. Uh, everything else was incredibly brutal. The there has to be a a genre with special effects. There has to be a new genre created where people look to the sky and all, or they stand <laughs> they stand in front of a cityscape that's blown away by either wind, dust, or fire, or some well, type I of think, natural. I element. think there is, and I think that Ishiro Honda kind of <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, I think created it back in the '60s. Yeah, but I think the thing with that was for me the reason why that worked is because there's somebody stepping on something, whereas in this one, things are just falling all over the place. And I, well, I often laugh at the, you know, I remember there was a lot of criticism for Man of Steel and the back end of Man of Steel, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it, was, it, was just yeah. a, it was just a Godzilla movie is all it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it really was. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, well, I mean, and that's that's the argument that you can make about a lot of uh, superhero movies in general, is that they're oh, basically yeah. just giant monster movies but with, you know, tiny people. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's the thing is that you know I, when I watched this I I kind of had the same sort of forgiveness that I had with the uh, Kong Skull Island because you know once I understood and I said this when I initially you know watched it and I I have I, I'm sure I have a rewatch coming up because I, I bought the uh, the blue somewhere uh, in my pile um, but I, I you know when I watched this uh, this one because I I was not the biggest fan of the 2014. Was it 2014? Uh, regardless, uh, I was not the biggest fan of the the initial uh, reboot movie um, because I I absolutely hated the uh, the villain monsters. I thought they were piss poor uh, design. Oh, you talking about I, the? I uh, still think they're piss poor design. You talking about the bat uh, the bat like things? Yeah, the mudos or whatever. Oh yeah, they, that that was that was bad. They they actually are so bad they completely took me out of the movie. They look like the fucking the rectifiers from Tron. Oh, they look like, like the, some, the original Tron. They look like something with a rectum in it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, damn near killed him. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's a horrible design. Number one, number two, uh, they gave us nothing to connect with. Like they get. I'm not saying that in normal the you know. The, the the uh, the regular Toho Godzilla movies that we had all that much to go with character wise, although they did kind of uh, they did kind of get better with that towards the end of the the last series uh, from Toho. It's a mixed bag. Um, it's a mixed bag with that whole series. Yeah, but I with, mean... with, but with but with the American remake, uh, the first one, we had such it was so fucking bland, so useless, mm. and and like I I say useless in like the very literal sense. You have a bomb expert who never gets to fucking defuse a bomb. You have, I mean, it's so fucking stupid, so poorly fucking written uh-huh. that you're just sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me with half of this shit? Um, but at the same time, you know, there are elements of it that I liked enough to get me through it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, great. No, absolutely not. But with the the sequel with King of the Monsters, when I realized uh, what they were actually doing, 
which took me about maybe half an hour uh, into the movie. Once I realized what they were actually you know, going for, then I, I understood that I had to kind of like turn off uh, and just go with it. And, you know, sure. and maybe that, maybe that's laziness or maybe that's, and again, maybe that's me just being a little too forgiving of the shit. Maybe mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, once I got past that point, uh, then I found myself able to enjoy it a whole lot more, uh, than the original one. I still think it has a lot of flaws. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I found a lot, uh, in it to enjoy, uh, and I will be perfectly frank in saying that I am wildly uh, anticipating uh, Godzilla versus Kong uh, because I'm a huge, huge, huge King Kong fan. Uh, the original, you know, is one of my uh, touchstone movies. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and I don't think there's an iteration of King Kong that I haven't had some level of love for. Um uh, you know, and, and right up to uh, Skull Island. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Even uh, even with I'm sure the uh, the missteps that I'm positive that this is also going to have, uh, because it, it comes from the same sort of mindset. Um, which I mean, you, you could have an entire show about the uh, the debate over uh, you know Hollywood and its uh, its practices uh, in regards to movies like this to begin with, but. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, but I, I completely, I completely get, uh, you or anybody for that matter, uh, not being all that swift, uh, with, uh, with the Godzilla movies, uh, and, and even with the, uh, the second one. But, uh, but once I, like I said, once I, I got what they were going for the sort of like super spy, super villain sort of thing, they were basically, they're basically turning turning this into another uh, superhero movie mm. another superhero franchise another fast and furious sort of thing mm. um and once i i caught on to that then yeah then i you know i understood how i was required and i'm putting required in quotes uh to uh, to watch it um so i i wound up liking it a little bit more than uh, than i would have uh than i would have been resistant to let's say uh, I'm trying to be very careful about uh, about how because I haven't done the rewatch and I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna change in the uh, the near future. So, yeah, um, I'm the exact opposite of all that. So the, the <laughs> there's just a lot of moments in this where it, it just it's just plain ridiculous. And I, I get that. I and get uh, you know, I like I, I think I even wrote on uh, Letterbox. There's these moments where characters always have these uh, these Hulk Hogan heaving moments. <laughs> where they have to brave up their bravery and and get out there and it just uh it's just it's comical to me it's almost a parody of itself the whole film is it really really is yeah no and i and i completely get that and like i said i mean that's kind of that's kind of where i i picked up where they were going that they're they're just completely abandoning uh any sort of gravitas that uh, the godzilla character is supposed to be about and they're they're kind of being they're kind of being the late sixties early seventies Showa era uh, Godzilla movies, but you know made for modern times was the way that I looked at it. Yeah, although I and will say, I, like I said, once I, once I got that, then I was just like, oh okay. Yeah, well, I will say this though: the Godzilla himself, herself, Godzilla himself, uh, herself, Godzilla is the best thing about these movies, these spies too, because I do like the design that they gave Godzilla. Particularly the face, and yeah, yeah, so it's nice. I do like the more 
the uh, the more uh, wrestler type arms, the bigger yeah. arms. Uh, I didn't like it at first. I thought I wouldn't like it, but as time's gone on, I really like it. And uh, Godzilla swimming is uh, akin to an iguana swimming, and I, I quite enjoy that as well. And I will say that, and you know, the monsters are better obviously than the the mudos or the munos or whatever the hell they were how how could they not be but at the same time i don't know how you mess up king ghidra i I don't know how you mess that up but if there's a movie that can mess it up this is the movie that messed it up uh they don't even i was surprised that they didn't even use the like i would expect uh them to go back and get the sound effects of ghidra which is a very distinct a very distinct kaiju sound well, they probably they probably felt that it was too dated. Yeah, probably uh, right did. because probably did. It, it occurred before they were born. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. uh, oh my God, I can't I can't even with this fucking thing. Yes, yes. And so uh, oh, we have to uh, we have to do something. Yeah, different. we have to make this our own. No, you really don't. Yeah, you know whatever you're gonna. So the scenes do with, what you're gonna do because you're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, the scenes with Ken Watanabe. Uh, yeah, Ken, poor Ken Watanabe. What a great actor who's, you know, I mean, anyway. He's really wasted in these things. I mean, let's be blunt. I mean, he sets her every time he... Oh, you had to fight. What would you want to do? I mean, it's Why just... Yeah. <laughs> it's just bizarre. A bizarre performance. Everybody's bizarre, bizarre in this movie to me. Everybody. Kyle yeah. Chandler, his character should have been dead Dude, like is, six times. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I do not like kyle chandler yeah i um, don't think he's a good actor i don't think he brings much of anything to anything he is the the most vacuous void of personality that it's possible to be as a human being on screen Uh, maybe he's a nice guy in real life i don't know uh but you know every time that i see him you know on pixels or on you know silver nitrate or whatever i'm just like I, w- come on yeah. what what is happening no he's I not completely tuned i don't know if he's a movie actor i think he's more of a character actor with movie star looks and i think that's what ends up happening well i mean that's that's kind of the problem is he's he's like a background guy in like a 1940s fucking yeah. uh gangster movie yeah yeah, I've liked him on TV shows. I've liked him in a few films, but not as a lead. Uh, no. I've never really liked him as a lead. But no. um, anyway, um, he does have the distinct uh, kind of trivia note of being in Peter Jackson's King Kong, and then in this, I guess. So I guess he'll be in he'll be in uh, Kong and Godzilla versus Kong. I guess he'll be. And that's the reason why I watch this, right? Because Godzilla versus Kong is coming. I felt like yeah. I better go ahead and get my caught up in whatever universe they're trying to create here. I got nothing out of this except uh, the special effects have gotten better, but that that you know it is what it is, and you know I, I I kind of expected not to like it. I don't think I expected to dislike it as much as I did. I was kind of surprised by all that. I mean, Millie Bobby Brown gets to Fenway Park so easily and gets hooked up into a room where she can blast the sound of the MacGuffin box, was what I called it. Uh-huh. And uh, all the TVs are hooked up to give her exposition. I mean, it, it's just—it's one of those well, convenient Daddy, moments. It's like, it's like <laughs> I said. I mean, it's like I said. They—they they turned it into a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like everything else is now, where you know, instead of you know making something that stands in and of itself, or or or, or plays with and within genre limitations it now it's not happy enough being what it was right yeah yeah 
Well, it certainly didn't make part, me happy. That's part, of the, that's part of the the, the problem yeah. uh, with these things is that it, it, they're just they're not content to give you yeah uh, what they are. Right. They have to fucking Botox their face up like Meg Ryan, <laughs> uh, and you know make a make a caricature of itself and and then you know and go from there. Yeah. Uh, and 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 yeah, I mean. And you've you've said it, and I've said it, and I will continue to say it. I do give these things a lot of latitude. Yeah, well, I, I think there's always uh, maybe a film. reasonably, and, and you know, whatever. There, but, there's. Um, a, I think every I think every film fan can find a genre or a character or something, or even one single film. Yeah, I mean, that they give a lot of leeway to, so that doesn't sure. surprise me at all. So, but uh, Godzilla oh, so you're saying I have no taste. Thank you. No, no, no. But no. okay. Godzilla is obviously one for me that I think you know. I think gets a pass a lot of times because I think, you know, the nostalgia of Godzilla, the growing up with Godzilla as I did as well. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, a lot of people hang on to that and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, moving on, uh, <laughs> finished off the week or finished up last night. Actually, I, I didn't check in with this thing, but we did watch return of the Jedi last night. My son and I, uh, you know, it, it, it's Return of the Jedi. Uh, yeah, it looks really nice. I, 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 every time I go back to it, I always forget how nice it looks. It, uh, um, it is very shiny. Yeah, it's very shiny, very pretty. It's uh, of that original trilogy. It's certainly the prettiest of the three. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know the colorful forest that helps, and obviously the uh, they really accentuate the uh, reflective blacks and blues of the uh, the Empire. You know, uh, they really kind of mm -hmm. go for it. Um, you know, there was a time when I was younger and when I would really rebel against the Ewok stuff, but to be honest with you, it doesn't really bother me that much as I've gotten older, call it, uh, wilting or call it whatever you want to call it. But I mean, it's still overly cute and kind of silly, but I, the, I, I tend to, I tend to like it a little bit less these days. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't bother me as much as it once did. I think there was a time when I really was really against it. Uh, but I, I whatever reason, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I I got to say, in rewatching it, uh, my my thoughts on it didn't really change, but mm. at the same time, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it uh, on the rewatch. So, uh, well, good. You know, yeah, it's been nice to rewatch this trilogy, and I still hold the original trilogy in the same regard as I pretty much always have, and uh, that's good. That's good. That's a yeah. good thing. That's not you know, um, we're on to the prequels now, and I'm honestly. Um, uh, <laughs> Not excited about the uh, next two films, but it is what it is. Actually, the next three films, maybe the next four films. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't watched. Uh, well, listen, Return of the Jedi. It's no, you know, it's no Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's but, not even close. Um, not even close. Um, anyway, uh, I jumped off of that and watched No Band Land. This popped up on Hulu. It's in theaters as well. But if you have Hulu, you can check this out. This is the Francis McDormand film that's won some festival awards. Uh, Chloe Zhao uh, directed it. Uh, she directed The Rider, which uh, I mentioned on the show a while back, and Will's a big champion of as well, about a bull rider who uh, uh, gets critically injured and then you know spends a lot of his time. It's essentially the wrestler with bull riding is what it is. And uh, this is essentially the wrestler with dealing with Americana and dealing with grief and loss and the nomad culture that's kind of developed in America of living in cars and uh, RVs and things like that. Uh, a lot of people don't know about that culture. I read a review of this film, which I found quite comical. 
Um, uh, the obviously, it, I'm not going to get into it on here because I'm not going to give the person the uh, the credit. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I think they were looking for uh, the nomad culture to be nothing but drugs and uh, prostitution and everything else because uh, all they could think about was that. Uh, Francis Norman goes back to her, uh, you know, white bread house with Joe Cohn and, uh, they live their multi-million dollar lives and they're just doing this for awards. Uh, wait, what? Yeah, I know some people, they, they find something in everything, don't they? Uh, I, I'm still waiting for the people to come back around and, and, and say something negative about anything that you've ever watched. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm not gonna give that enough time, but the truth is, Frances McDormand is one of the most treasured actresses I think we should have. We we definitely Absolutely. should. She is one of the best. And yes, uh, I, I'll even say one of the greatest in cinema history, in my opinion. I mean, she has a natural if not ability. Of her, of not, if not in history, then certainly of an entire generation. Man, I'm telling you, if just, just with three performances, Fargo, Billings, mm-hmm. and this. She rivals any actress I've ever seen. Uh, period. Meryl Streep, mm-hmm. you name it. Any of them. I mean, she's that. Um, she just, she's amazing. And what I like about her is there's no, it's, for me, there's no vanity with her. It's just, she's just an actor. And yeah. uh, if, you know, if you ever wanted to see a movie where Frances McDormand takes a dump on the side of the road and then nothing to wipe, she just jerks her ass down to the ground to get that last little dropout, then this is the movie for you. Well, that was graphic. Um, uh, yeah, there's a lot of pooping in this movie. It's pretty great. Okay. Because they deal with, uh, you know, living a nomad life, you have no indoor plumbing. So one of the toughest things to deal with if you're going to be out there traveling on the road and, and essentially living in your car is getting rid of your excrement. And uh, they deal with that in this movie. They talk about that quite a bit. And uh, it's like, yeah, well, that, that, would, that would be something you'd have to deal with. Yeah, okay. Yes, not as this, it sounds easy. But you no. can't you can't shit on the campground. You can't shit where everybody's hanging out. That's not nice. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, yeah. And sometimes paper towels work just as good as toilet paper. We've all been. Well, there. I guess I guess I, I I guess my my comment would be: Do we really need to deal with that on screen? It doesn't bother is that me. A, is that a, an absolute necessity? I mean, does this Amen. color or not color the the world of this film well, in d- any particular way? Depends on what you ate. I aside guess. from aside from us telling you know, aside <laughs> from displaying how people who live a nomad lifestyle shit. I mean, really, it's really a, very important. If you know, if you got, if you got, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is in the minutia of fucking dealing with nomad life. Most, but other than that, most people have a five gallon bucket. But if you got bad knees, you might need a two gallon bucket. And if you're smaller, maybe you need a one gallon bucket it's very important Jesus, the how, buck- much, how much uh, research have you done on this i haven't this is obviously a, a huge cultural shift in america that a lot of people don't know about uh there's uh, and, and would prefer not to at this point yeah the the, the truth is, is this is what's happening in america because of the way the corporations have changed things and you know the rich get richer the poor get poorer it's it's, it's i i think that that's an entire show right yeah. there well it and is a very political show and if you want to get into it we can no um, no i but don't i i don't we're know not how much that. i agree with you on that <laughs> yeah we're not we're not reviewing that not right now anyway but it's certainly you know you know there's a lot of she she goes through a cycle here of taking temp jobs taking whatever job she can because she's not qualified sure. to work other jobs which again is becoming you know for a certain generation of folks it's becoming more and more of a reality 
And it is. Well, it always has been. It always I mean, has been. True. It's these, just these are this is not this is not revelatory in no, any sort of no. way. This is not you know. I, I I don't know how. It's I, not, well. Listen, I haven't watched the movie, so I can't really speak to it in terms of in terms of what the perspective is. But I'm, I'm getting that. Uh, I'm getting a certain sense of um, that. You know, I don't know how happy she is that she has to do this thing. No, she's totally happy. She hasn't do this thing. This is what okay. she wants out of her life. So then, so then, so then, <laughs> if you're happy doing it, then uh, okay. I'm just I'm going to stop now because I'm going to yeah. get off on a rant. But that—that's the point. The point isn't that the point isn't that whether she's happy or not happy. The point is that it's becoming more. There's more populace having to live like this because of the way times are changing. The times—it's always but been there. If she's happy, if she's happy with okay, I, I got to stop. I got to stop. But the, the 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 point of the film is too that you know these people, this generation, kind of like me, will probably never be able to retire. Uh, and, I, and I'm well aware of that. Then that's that that's a big part of this as well. That you'll work until you die, and that do, right. do you do you take the choice to live life and live with less, right. or do you keep working to live with more? And that's a that's right. a big part of the movie. So it's right. a big it's a big choice. Right, but it is a choice. It is a choice, and it's that it doesn't it doesn't give you the benefits. Nobody, nobody says that you know. Well, that's what the that's what the genius has to be the way. Yeah, that's what the genius of the movie. Nobody is. says that. The genius of the movie is, it's not telling you that's the right way, and it's not telling you that's the wrong way. Well, thank God, at least they fucking yes, were it's even not, handed in that regard. Well, it's not it's not preachy at all. It's well, just that, that that at least I could appreciate. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, you got two characters in this film, David Strathairn and her, who make two different choices, and it's Ooh, Strathairn, yeah, yeah, nice. Strathairn's in there again, another great actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the you know, and it's just it, it's just something that's going to happen more and more because that's just the way it's set up. So, um, but it was it's really interesting. It's really interesting. It's a real good look at Americana and uh, where we kind of stand nowadays and where we're kind of headed. Um, and it's interesting that a Chinese American young lady, she's not very old. I think she's only in her thirties. She's made such an impact with these two films. Very good. They're more American than the uh, films made by Americans nowadays. <laughs> How about that? How about it? She's clearly seen movies from the seventies because that's definitely what these films feel like. They don't feel like movies from, uh, any kind of modern time period. Nice. Uh, all right. I think that's all I watch. That's it. All right, we're going to take a short break, come back and discuss Winter Kills from 1979. We'll be back. What? 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 Did you say something? No, no, no. <laughs> we'll be back right after this.
right. It's probably going to surprise some people. It's uh, one of my five-year-old daughter's favorite jams right there. <laughs> nice. Just tell you what kind of house we, we uh, run here. <laughs> Bring it back up again. Yeah. Let's go. Here we go. Right, going back down. Sorry, <laughs> that is some Sunday morning jams right there. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we have a good time with that one around the house. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I think my daughter's gonna be a lot like me. I think she's gonna be like, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is, I'm into some heavy shit. Anyway, good for her. Yeah. Uh, speaking of heavy shit, uh, Winter Kills, 1979. Uh, this movie's really hard to describe um uh, and it's unique uh i'll say that uh whether it's good or not uh, that is uh, up to folks who watch it we'll talk about it uh i'm sure we lean one way or the other or somewhere in between um the younger brother of an assassinated u.s president has led down a rabbit hole of conspiracies and dead ends after learning of a man claiming to be the real shooter mm-hmm. now this film is based on a book by Richard Condon, uh, and it's kind of about the. Uh, it's essentially about the Kennedy assassination in a lot of ways, yep. And about the Kennedys themselves and uh, man-made presidents and man-made leaders and everything else. But one of the reasons why this movie's fun to talk about is you talk about a movie that pulled together a cast. <laughs> yeah, right. This thing is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it pulled together one of the best cast of all time uh in my opinion Jeff- I'm, I'm amazed shelly winters was not in this thing yeah she might have been just to give you she, some yeah she might have been she just might not have been you know <laughs> she might have been in the background she might have been in the background somewhere, somewhere. got uh, jeff bridges is a star yeah. john houston is in here yeah. uh we got anthony perkins eli wallach sterling hayden dorothy malone thomas million ralph meeker joe spinell yeah. uh richard boone toshiro mifune yeah, Brad Dexter's in here. I mean, it's amazing the cast that they pulled together, and uh, it's just crazy. Ralph Meeker, who's gotten a lot of uh, interesting uh, uh, play lately because Tarantino's called him the one of the greatest actors of all time. Okay, yeah. So uh, you know, teach their own. Every everybody's got uh, a type of actor, a type of actor they like, right? Joe Spinell, like sure. you said, is in here. A uh, small part, you don't even really see his face, but you could tell, you could still tell in some weird way that it's Joe yep. Spinell. <laughs> well, it's the eyes. He has very distinctive eyes. Yeah. Tisa Farrow's in here, who we had on the show back in uh, The Black Cat, the Lucio Fulci film, I think it was. Ah. Yeah. Tisa Farrow's that in might here. might be in the future. Uh, Aaron Gray is in here, uh, who was on Buck yeah, Rogers. She just briefly yeah. in here. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor, Taylor shows yeah. up at some point. Uh, she's a bit of a star uh, you might have heard of. Uh,. <laughs> This one's, uh, you know, shot by Vilmos Sigmund. Uh, and uh, yeah, the pedigree is great. Yeah, so this uh, is so it's one film. of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where you wonder how did the how did this all come together? And it's just from what I can understand, uh, really, a lot of the stars were just kind of behind the idea of the movie. Now, right. the success or failure of the movie is something we're here to talk about. So yes. Todd, this is, I think, the first time you saw this. It is. Let's get into it. Okay. Okay, so uh, we kick the movie off, the opening credits. Uh, These are some of the largest chess pieces um, 
this side of the ones used on the old uh, prisoner TV series. Yeah. Uh, if I'm thinking correctly. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we get Jeff Bridges and he starts off in the movie on a ship, uh, looking like he shaved off his beard and is en route back to Skull Island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, which this would have been what, three years, two years after that. Yeah. Um, Richard Boone shows up and his, his, uh, his <laughs> poncho game. I'm pretty is sure. Strong. Yeah. So is his angel's hat. I'm pretty sure. Well, so is his whiskey game. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, pr- but, I'm pretty sure that Richard Boone, uh, the whole performance of this movie that he's just wearing whatever he showed up on the set with. Oh yeah. He's like, uh, I rolled out a breath for this. <laughs> By the way, that's my Nick Nolte impression. I'm going to be doing in the next review. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but where'd you pick up uh, that piece of trash? Uh, anyway (laughs) hey there hockey puck so uh so this movie uh yeah the plot just kind of drops on you um you know bridges is you know he's on this ship boone just conveniently shows up with his bandits guy joe spinell uh who upends his entire life um and three things are kind of odd here one uh bridges isn't looking for the truth or anything else he's just kind (laughs) of living his life yeah uh, two, uh, this guy that's brought aboard is totally bandaged up. He could be anybody. Yeah. And I think that that plays to conspiracy per- uh, pictures, uh, thematically and visually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and three is that Boone drops a wad of clunky exposition to the young guy in the scene. <laughs> yeah. That's just, you know, bad writing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that this movie is loaded with bad writing and that, you know, we should stop here and just consider that this movie is kind of notorious in a certain aspect or in a certain mm-hmm. uh, circle uh, mm-hmm. for having its share of issues. And uh, like you and I had talked about off uh, off mic, uh, there is an entire like what forty minute documentary yeah. uh, about the uh, the making of this movie. I have not watched that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be perfectly honest. I wanted to. I just the, the, the didn't have well, the time. And, I- and, and more and more and more than that. Uh, when I, when I see something like that, or when I see something like, uh, you know, the death of Superman lives and shit like that, uh, my first inclination is, uh, that's all well and good. And I appreciate that. And I understand that. And, and that's interesting to me, but that does not excuse what got released. Mm, yes. And that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Not what could have been, what it could have, should have, mm, but mm-hmm. didn't. I think that that uh, documentary about what's, what actually you know is is up there and played. I think what that documentary portends more than anything is well, it doesn't excuse any of the decisions that were made, which is good. Okay, okay. Uh, okay. but good. it does try to explain what I feel is almost wholeheartedly unexplainable. The the the, the film <laughs> is certainly, and when I said unique earlier, when I kind of introduced the movie. It, there's really no way to really. Well, I mean, I guess there is a way to well, describe it. That it it's, well, I don't know that it's a, a unique. I mean, Hollywood well, has had its fair share of messes. Sure, I think sure. it certainly falls into that category. It does. This one has a weird sense of humor. That's, yeah, there is that, that. Kind of comes out of nowhere. That. Well, it's, yeah, it's almost. It's almost. Um, oh, what the fuck was that? The the movie where. Um, and John Houston was in that one too, with uh, Raquel Welch, where she plays the uh, the transsexual. Um, um, uh, Annie, Cal- not Annie Calder. Um, oh God, <laughs> why can I not think of it now? I can't think of it uh, now. Regardless, I know um, what you're talking about, though. And, yeah, and right. It, it, the thing is, the, these movies, these kind of paranoia thrillers or whatever you want to call them, they 
they offered, uh, you know, so the seventies begins the world of conspiracies and, and we're still living in that world, whether we like it or not. It's, it's, yeah. it's going to go on forever. I think nowadays, anyway, um, the, this film in, in and of itself is a conspiracy. It's, uh, I don't know what's, I, 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 when I picked it, I knew going in that there would be strange conversations between you and I, because, as a movie, it plays very oddly, uh, to the point of well, being almost unwatchable in some spots. Yeah, it, 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 to say that it's uneven, I think, is giving it a lot of credit. Big time, big time. Because the movie, the movie, you really you, you you're watching this thing, and you you really start to consider how much of it is trying to throw you off. Yeah, like how much of this is deliberate, and how much of this is just piss poor. Uh, craftsmanship. Yeah, I think it's interesting um, this week that we picked two films like we did because, right? Yeah, they really both of them sparked a response out of me of what in the fuck? Are yeah, we... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In different ways, but it, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. but both of them are. Well, anyway, we'll get into U turn later. But I mean, this this is just you know another for me. I, so I and I, I think you agree with this too. And I'm, I'm going to be left speechless a lot. I had a lot of time, a hard time taking notes with this. <laughs> but I, I'm sure you felt the same way. I mean, there was just moments where you're just watching this and you're like, "What? What the hell? What? What's going yeah. on now? What? What is this? What is going on?" Now I think that it's trying to do that, but I just think that it's I, not doing a very good job trying to I do that. I think that it's doing that, thinking that it's more clever than it is. Mm, yeah, I think that's the thing. I yeah. think that Richard, you know. He's the kind of guy who, because he made what the, a night in the life of Jimmy Reardon, yeah, which I, is another movie that I didn't care for. And I think he, uh, um, I think he wrote the Happy Hooker. I don't think he directed it. He might have directed it. I don't okay, know. yeah, no, yeah. So Richard or Rickard, he has a certain flavor to him. Mm, yes, uh, yes. Where he's a guy who's who's you know he's he's kind of playing with stuff, but he's not. He's going to try and subvert you. Um. And I think that, you know, so obviously, you know, conspiracy theories and, and this sort of uh, movie plays into his kind of wheelhouse in a certain way, uh, because, you know, it's 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 kind of right up his alley. Hmm. Um, whether he pulls it off or not, I mean, that's that's wildly open a bit to debate. And, and this was based off of a novel, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, and I don't I don't remember if you mentioned that or not. But yeah. um, Richard Condon novel. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, but yeah. Um, so Richard, yeah. I mean, he uses he uses some very like I noticed he he uses some very specific angles, some very specific editing, and he's trying to ratchet up suspense. Like there's the the scene, and this is the first time that you really notice it. I think in the movie is there's the scene after they recover the rifle, that's very startling, mm. uh, in the sense that it just you know it boom it happens. Yeah. And you blink, and like like the action is already done within a cut, mm-hmm. and, and it, you know this sort of thing completely throws the audience into like a, a ball of confusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't uh, know what's reality and what's not reality anymore. Like right, right. there, the, the trick isn't paying this off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you know th- this movie and 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 like the 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 slew of movies like it, obviously. You know, springs from the the three major assassinations. You know, that took place in the '60s, but mostly, you know, obviously JFK. Uh, but unlike um, many of those other movies, where 
you know, the, the protagonist tends to be, you know, just somebody like somebody or a reporter, you know, like an everyman. Uh, here you have somebody, I found this kind of interesting. You have a, a main character who's well off, right? He's mm-hmm. connected to the elite world yeah. of, you know, wealth and power and politics. Right. But the odd thing is that we're supposed to connect to him because he like, he, the, the Jeff Bridges character, he like issues that world. It's like, he's, he's basically, he comes off like a rich boy slumming it. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Yeah. But it's also an, an interesting angle in that the film still deals with, um, you know, like the idea of distrust or, you know, like the political world. I mean, if you want to even separate those two. Right. For want of a better term. Uh, it just does these sort of things from the inside uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that the picture is at least on some level meant to be a black comedy. Um, it has to be. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you would think. Uh, I mean, or some type with, of satire, of some sort, way, especially with the way that Houston is playing it. Well, Houston um, and you know Sterling Hayden, who tends to show. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm okay, okay, let's okay, yeah. The, uh, speaking of okay, so let's go back to the, the cast. Yeah, it's out of this world. I'm sure the producers thought that this thing was going to be much bigger than it actually is or was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, that being said, I think that you know, with the cast that this thing has, all of the characters, all of them, like the story itself are odd and they act oddly. They don't, you know, (laughs) everybody in this movie does not think, does not act, does not speak like a real person does. And I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that's part of the point of the movie, that that separation between their world, our world. Yeah. I I mean, I I, I assume. Yeah. So, you know, I, I find it kind of fitting that the, the cast consists of the people that it does because, you know, like Sterling Hayden, Joe Spinell, Ralph Meeker, you know, actors, who lend themselves toward a certain off kiltered hard assness. Yes. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's no surprise then when, you know, Sterling Hayden shows up and his guys open fire on bridges, with fucking tanks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, when, or when John Houston waltzes in, in a fucking speedo talking about quote unquote, the family unit. One of the greatest uh, scenes I've ever seen in a movie is that scene right, right? there. I mean, I you know it's worth seeing the movie alone just to have John John Houston walk in with a speedo on get up on the bed and this is what we're doing my boy <laughs> now here's here's what we're here's what's happening yeah it uh, now listen Mister Kitts if 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 you could say anything so first of all everybody is doing their thing it's like everybody showed up and they're well except for Toshiro Mifune who's just doing he's just from what I understand he was just phonetically speaking lines which you can kind of tell. Uh, he didn't really know what he was saying, but you know, it's just great to see him. It's always just kind of great to see him in anything. So he's not really a, even though his name's Keith, which is a very weird name for Toshiro Mifune, but (laughs) it's definitely the first name I don't think about when I look at Toshiro Mifune is Keith, but you know, Boone's being Boone, uh, Hayden's being Hayden. Perkins is being Perkins. Wallach is being Wallach. Millian, who's only in the, Millian, who's only in the movie for what? A minute and a half. Yeah, if that, yeah. He's being very million though. He's got his cane. He's already got his yep, cane. This yep, is yep. the cane he would live the rest of his life walking around with. Uh, it's like he just brought it to set. Um, you know the the one the one that stands out to me uh, in the movie though is John Houston. He's he's given yes. everything he can possibly give to well, this he's movie. Also given a lot, he's, he's also given a lot of time because he's a very important. He's meant to be a very important figure in the movie because yeah. you know he is he is the 
the the pin on which this world turns. Yeah. In the same way that, like I was kind of alluding to very briefly, you know, with Chinatown, with, with like with his the Noah Cross character they played in Chinatown, you know, he's very blunt, he's very straightforward. In fact, more so mm-hmm. uh, than mm-hmm. the Noah Cross character, and and he adds here. Uh, a, a certain level of crassness yeah. uh, that I think underlines the sort of like this, um, for want of a better term, like old world uh, sort of character that he is. He's the kind of guy, you know, he says what he wants, does what he wants, fucks what he wants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. You know, so he'll, he'll smoke like a, a, an entire uh, humidor <laughs> of cigars and yeah. fuck 10 hookers in a day while he's drinking a bottle of whiskey uh, and, you know, and, uh, wiping his ass with the flag. Yeah. Um, cause that's the kind of guy that he is because he can do that. And that's, you know, part of what the movie is about is about, you know, that sort of distrust of the power brokers of America. Yeah. Um, as, as we, you know, I'm not going to say that we shouldn't be distrustful of them because we absolutely should be. Yeah. Um, but anything, that's, anything uh, with power. Yeah. Well, anything um, with power, anything in power. Yes, yeah. we should and, and, question. And you and I, you and I have had that discussion before about no. absolute power, and and you and I are both of the opinion. I think, and maybe yes. I'm wrong, no, but no, no. I, I think that uh, absolute power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, it depends on if I if I'm if I'm in power right now, then I don't agree with you. I'm not corrupt. <laughs> it's right. not going to corrupt me. It'll See, corrupt you. That's the thing, right? That's the thing. Yeah. It, yeah. So yeah, the bell, but the bell tolls not for thee. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. Not for me, but for thee. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, so getting back to, uh, you know, why I, part of why I, uh, of what I was, uh, with the, the, comp, the, co- the comedic elements, let's call them, uh, mm. because they're not very, uh, <laughs> uh, Jesus, I don't even know how to approach. I think what you have, when you have things like, um, like John Houston always telling bridges that, uh, the suspects that he's coming, coming up with, they're dropping like flies, uh, every time one you know comes up or, or action is you know is constantly taking place off screen that's pertinent to the investigation. I mean, you, 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 the gears start to shift as a, as an audience member mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. to 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 being that you know uh, you know th- this can't be meant to be played strictly straight. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, it it the movie is is really going out of its way to kind of like to do this dance mm-hmm. um to 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 kind of be like you know well well yeah i mean we're, we're talking about this thing but yeah i mean you should be really be laughing at this guy but yeah well look at how serious this is oh my god this is so terrible but uh, oh look at how this is so fucking funny oh it's so it's so ridiculous so overblown it has to be funny uh but it's not but uh, but the, i think that this also explains or makes it a bit more digestible for the characters to be as, as elevated above reality as they are. Um, and, but uh, while that is happening, you have Jeff Bridges, poor bastard, who is the only one who really is playing the movie straight. Um, and I think that maybe that makes it all the more interesting in mm-hmm. that, you know, all of the attempts on Bridges' life are so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Like he, he walks out of a deli, it blows up. Yeah. And there's no follow up with authorities from that. And of, of course, again, this is part of the point that, you know, these people don't bow to or are answerable to any conventional authority like the rest of us. And that's, right. you know, I think part of what Condon and company here uh, were kind of getting to. Yeah. Um, I think what Condon, I think what Reichard is really trying to go for here, too, 
and I might be wrong about this, but this is because it's such an influential film. I feel like it's tried, it's been attempted to ape it ever since. And I think he's going for a strange Lovian thing here. Um, okay. Yeah. It, yeah it's yeah, not, okay. it's not yeah, as, I can, I can see that. yeah, it's not on the head as much. And of course the Sterling Hayden thing kind of ties that together. It's a great beard, mm. by the way. I love Sterling Hayden's beard in this. Yeah. Right. This mm. is very long goodbye esque. What are you doing there, boy? Sterling. Have some awkward feet. Yeah. How come Nick Nolte? Cause, and I, I thought about this while watching U Turn. Nick Nolte should do a Sterling Hayden biopic. <laughs> Are we sure mm. that he hasn't? Yeah, <laughs> very similar delivery sometimes with the way they talk. Anyway, um, the the satirical thing. I mean, people in power and everything else. I mean, Houston is is both a genius and a buffoon, and. I, I think we're obviously we're meant to identify with the Bridges character, but I think it's hard to identify with him because he's very much the petulant child too. He's very well, much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. He's, he's Ted Kennedy. Yeah, he really is. I, I, and you're like, but Teddy's like the least fucking emulatable Kennedy that there ever was. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, do we really want to be Ted Kennedy? I don't think we yeah. want to be. We don't want no, to be let, that. Let, uh, we really don't want to dig into Ted Kennedy. I mean, and it, it's almost very, mm. it's almost a bad, almost a Bruce Wayne type of transition at some point when he comes back <laughs> yeah, to New York yeah, yeah. and he, he goes to his hotel and he's got this gigantic uh, floor suite loft type thing. And you're like, wait yeah. a minute. And, you know, up until this point, I've thought, okay, well, this is a guy who comes from privilege, but he's constantly fighting it. You could identify with Dudley Moore as Arthur, yes, more than you can as Jeff Bridges in this role. Here. Yeah, and it's weird because I think the first twenty minutes or so, you're you're like I said, you're you're like okay, well he's a child of privilege, but he's trying to fight that. Right. He thinks his dad's a, you know, a little bit of a buffoon, is maybe insane. There's right. some moments well, I there, mean, but that but that's the thing is we're we're supposed to be in his corner because he is, you know, he's privileged, but. I'm not really privileged. No, no, no. Even though I have a butler and an apartment that you couldn't afford in your wildest fucking dreams. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm a man of the people. Okay. One uh, of the uh, biggest yeah. apartments I've ever seen. I mean, it's yeah, right. It's huge. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> it looks like something John Houston would live in. So. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> no doubt. But uh, walk around in the speedo. Yeah. It's very. It's very weird. And. And here's the problem also. Let me get this out there. So here's the problem when you assemble a cast like this too. And I, I'm sure you agree with this. When you assemble a cast like this, if the performances are left to the actors, which it felt like to me that every actor was given carte blanche to do what they wanted to do with the dialogue yes, it here, it turns into just cameo, cameoville. And yep. that's that's what this feels like. Um you know, Mifune's only in it for, I'd say, roughly two minutes uh, overall. Uh, like we said, Milian, he might not even clock a minute. Right. Um, Meeker's maybe in it for maybe two or three minutes. Yep. Uh, Wallach's in it for maybe five minutes. Hayden's yep. in it for maybe a minute, two minutes. You would get more out of a cast like this if you were watching an Irwin Allen movie. Yes. Than you will out of yeah. this movie. I mean the one uh, the ones that stand out to me really are Bridges, well, Houston, that's, and Perkins. That's the thing. It, it feels it feels a lot like like what you're saying, like with cameos. It feels a lot like the uh, the fucking 
the uh, the wall of jokes from like laughing. Yeah, <laughs> where like everybody yeah. just kind of pops out. Yeah, does their little fucking thing and then just goes back into a fucking hole. And you're like, okay, yeah. so it contributes nothing uh, to what's going on other than that you had a little bit of fucking glamour. Yeah. Uh, thrown up on on screen, which you know back then. I mean, obviously you have to. There's a certain marquee value to that. I can understand that because you know, you know, we can't look at the 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 thought process behind a movie like this, particularly the way that you know they are today, because well, they're not the same. Yeah, well, and they're starting to fight special effects movies too. And by the time you get to the late seventies, sure. we're starting. You know, you to get asses in seats. You know, you got sure. Jaws, you got Star Wars, you got special effects. Well, and this was also, yeah, this was also at a point in time when, you know, there was still a big fight between uh, television and, and movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, that that wall hadn't quite been broken down by this point. I mean, it, it was kind of on the verge, uh, but, it, it, you know, it was still there. So, you know, they had, they like you said, they still had to get asses in seats. Uh, and that's you know a lot of uh, a lot of what's what's happening here with with that thing. But it, but the, the problem is that you, you watch the movie and you're like, but but you're not doing it's it's it, it feels wasted effort. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. This is one of those movies I think where, and I, and I don't mean this to this is not an insult, so to say, but I think that this is a movie where I think the story behind the movie is probably better than the movie itself. And probably the more interesting, and again, that that shouldn't be the case, but like mm-hmm. Cotton Club and um, what's another film I'm thinking about? A Heaven's Gate and uh, oh yeah, there's there's so many store there's so many movies in, in movie history like this where you get some questionable investors. I mean, one of the producers of this film ends up being handcuffed to a bed and shot in the head twice. Um, so you know, I would watch a movie about that. Yeah, so you wonder where does the money come from? Uh, where does, you know, who's, who's really pushing this out there? Is this, and being a conspiracy movie, is this just being financed to cover the tracks of the real conspiracies that are going on again? It gets into that whole real world of, of money and drugs and, and just all that bullshit. And that stuff, unfortunately, tends to be more interesting in a way than the movie itself does because... Like you said, well, and yeah. I said, the cameos. The, I mean, those cameos are just there. These actors are just there to Listen. come in and and move the plot forward, what little plot there is, and move it forward to the next scene where we can get Anthony Perkins in there. And then Anthony yeah. Perkins comes in, and it's essentially the Matrix Part Three. It's essentially <laughs> he comes in and explains the whole thing. It's yes, the it's the Donald Sutherland JFK scene. It's yep. the it's it's all that stuff. And, and and don't get me wrong, movies need those kind of things. I mean, one of my favorite things Oliver Stone ever did was the Donald Sutherland JFK scene. I love that scene um, because you know he's at that point Donald Sutherland is just Oliver Stone pontificating and and giving you his theory, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what he made the movie for. He just got lucky enough to make a big budget epic movie about his beliefs and what happened to JFK. This one I don't think has any beliefs in what actually happened to JFK. I think it really just wants you to think America is run by a bunch of corrupt white guys, which sure it has been for some time. Sure. <laughs> I got news for you. It, it doesn't matter what color you are. If you get power, corruption pretty much comes around right behind it. Yes, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't. Every fucking time. It and does. I don't care who ends up in power. 
It's yeah. going to be the same way. It's going to. Yes. It's, it's going to eventually. T- it doesn't matter. It does. It just yeah. doesn't. I don't matter. care what. I don't care what you espouse when you're on TV. Mm-hmm. What what viewpoint? What what uh, side of the aisle? What economic platform you you claim to think is the greatest? What it doesn't matter. As soon as you get the power, as soon as you feel that fucking that jolt, as soon as you get that boner from uh, from wielding a little bit of the, that that. Uh, that political cudgel mm-hmm. then instantly you want more of it yes. and, and that is the most intoxicating thing i think there is in the world yeah, yeah. uh and and that, that that's been that's been uh, uh displayed and uh, proven out throughout history yeah. throughout history never has it failed yeah this is one of the absolutes that nobody ever talks about because they can't say that it's scientific because it's unquantifiable in numbers and yet it is there every single time one of these fucking peckerheads gets enough fucking power mm-hmm. to actually uh, make a difference yeah and it'll it'll every happen every single time it'll happen again and again Absolutely. and again and again because as hu- human beings we are preordained genetically encoded to be awful <laughs> yeah uh not 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 all the time don't get me wrong there's good people out there there's good people but the truth is you mix power and corruption and money and the things we value over life you well, start to mix those base, things together that's your base animal instincts yeah what it appeals to it and starts- when you when you have that that sort of leeway where you can you're like oh you mean i could do this and nobody's gonna touch me yes Exactly. Then you're like, oh, yeah, I could get away with this. Mm-hmm. And then you know, once you realize you can get away with shit, then you'll be more inclined to get away with shit. Right. And that's that's which is kind of why we have laws. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. It's kind of like how we have laws. It's kind of why we have religion, Todd. Sure. <laughs> religion is nothing but law. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's on. right. I mean, it's supposed to be there to guide you it's to do the right law. thing. Yeah, it's there to guide you to do the right thing. But sure, but if you fuck it up, guess what? Yeah. You go to hell. That's the fucking <laughs> that's, right. that's the fucking deal. Hell, Instead of jail? going to jail, you go yeah. to hell. Yeah. Hail or jail? You, hail. You, Alan Hale Jr. You're down, from, down here from Kentucky with the hails. What oh, the hell? Guys, <laughs> I'm going to whip out some y'alls on you soon. What the hell? Uh, anyway. Um <laughs> uh, but I mean that that's that's again and I, I again I one of the reasons why I picked this is it it is a timely movie in some ways. I, I think people were shocked, and we're not going to get into this, and I, and I don't want to open this door, so don't you don't have to pontificate on this anymore or elaborate sure. anymore on this. But the truth is, we went through a bad presidency here in America. We'll go through another one. This isn't the last one. It won't be the last one. We'll go through another one. It doesn't necessarily mean Biden will be that one, but we will go through another one because it's inevitable. It's inevitable because politics are a business, and as long as they're a business... It will always go wrong. Businesses aren't meant to be perfect. They're meant to be corrupted, broken, successful, and success is in the eye of the beholder. So, yeah, and profit. All that stuff's in the eye of the beholder, though. So, if you get enough powerful people behind the scenes, regardless of denomination, religion, color, whatever the hell they want to be, if they want to protect theirs and, and their own, they will do whatever they can to do that. If that means running over the little man, and this might not be a popular thing to say, they will do that. And I don't care who they are. Mm-hmm. Okay? They will do that. And and it's been proven, as you said, over and over and over again through time. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I and, agree. And it, it continues to. And then if you get leaders in the right spots, 
you get leaders who get people to react the way that they want the world to react because it totally keeps your mind on the anger and the frustration that that leader does while they're behind the scenes doing all the things that you're not paying attention to. Yep. Well, and and this was, yeah, this was a point in time when people started to kind of be a little more honest about that in, in, in media. Yes. Uh, because obviously this has been happening for I mean, we, we we've had bad presidents for decades. I mean, let's be perfectly blunt since about the, this. Since the beginning of the United States, we've had bad presidents. We've had good presidents. Yeah. We've had bad yeah. presidents. And we well, and we've had a succession of them for several decades. I would say uh, yes. in this particular country. Um, but that's a whole yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but the, I mean, the, and this is when because. This movie comes out of, I mean, like, like we were, I think that this movie comes out of more the realization after Kennedy's assassination that, you know, there was people in, in film and, and television and books and all of this shit, uh, where they, they started to look a little more closely at the gears behind the, uh, the, the seat. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Kennedy assassination kind of brought that to light. Uh, and so that's, that's where this comes from because obviously, you know, this had been the case before Kennedy. It would, it was the case after Kennedy. It's been the case, you know, within, uh, I, I don't know, I'm looking at my watch, you know, it's been that way for a long, long time. It's going to be that way. But Kennedy's assassination really kind of, you know, it shocked the nation because that was that was kind of he was put on such a pedestal. Uh, you know, they called it Camelot, all of that sort of thing. And when they, when he got taken down, then everybody was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And it, it, there was a complete culture shift between that and Vietnam uh, with with what the country is up to behind the scenes that they're that like you said that they're, they're kind of sticking it to the little man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh in a lot of ways and you know people started to question that a lot more and i think that that's where this movie that's where this movie is coming from i but the, the the problem is that this movie doesn't really succeed uh in these things other than being like a blunt sort of yeah, uh statement blunt statement on it yeah which yeah. we already knew yeah uh which we already knew 16 years prior yeah um it makes the so, statement but it doesn't have a lot of gravitas behind it it's like you well know. it doesn't really it doesn't really have anything new to say or say it in, in, in a way that's all that interesting mm-hmm. in, in, in or or even all that coherently and i think that that's i think a, that's know, more it i think for me it's more the coherence i think it's interesting i think well, but yeah, it's is, incoherent nigh incoherent yeah it is it is it is a mess and i'll totally agree with that is it an interesting mess yes for me, it was, but uh, what do I, do I think it's a mess? Yes, it's, oh god, yeah, it's a mess, and uh, it is. It's kind of amazing to me that it hasn't become a kind of a cult movie in a weird way because it does kind of yeah, right. It does kind of surprise me. Yeah, it's got it's got very cult like qualities, and I'm just yeah, kind of surprised yeah. it hasn't in become that, in that in that it's in, in that it's you know like a puddle that uh, you <laughs> yeah, know yeah. you want to try to avoid, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody just wants to jump in. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that, that, that's a that's a good analogy, actually, because you know some people will want to avoid this puddle, and some people will want to sure. dive headfirst into it, even though it's only sure. an inch deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, okay, so getting back to the fun stuff. Uh, so, I got to ask you, 
uh, and this is a, like a personal thing, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, so is smothering a screamer during sex uh, the 1970s equivalent of light choking? Uh, which I, I know has become like a thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because he's putting that pillow over uh, Belinda Bauer's face pretty hard there. And she's really uh, getting into it, though. I mean, you got to get I mean, She's, she's animated. She's really. I mean, that is. That, that scene reminded me of the scene in Porky's uh, a few years later. <laughs> yes. the uh, With Mona, yeah. the screamer, whatever it was, or Kim Cattrall with the. Uh, yeah, Kim Cattrall. Oh, man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so so yeah, the Belinda Bauer character, right? She's she's in this movie. She's another unknowable. Yeah, I love her. By the way, she's oh my god, she's, yeah. she's got a great look. She's very pretty. Yeah, and her character's yeah. a lot of fun. She, in this. she didn't really appear in too too much. No, she didn't. But her character's a lot of fun in this. Uh, she just yeah. I especially love the uh, we got a uh, no pants rule or something, and she just takes her pants off in the restaurant. That's classic. Yep, makes no sense, well, yeah, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's 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 like another enigma, right? So so Bridges mm-hmm. the Bridges character, he barely knows her. He wants to marry her though. Uh his only interaction with her for the first half of the film uh is, you know, making sweet, sweet love to her answering machine. But when he finally gets to see her then, uh she isn't what he expected. She's almost like a mail order bride in a lot of ways. Man. Because the- you, you get the sense that you get the sense that, you know he only just met her now. Yeah. After when she actually shows up in 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 New York, is that the biggest answering machine ever? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite large. My God, uh, I don't remember. I, I don't I don't remember answering machines ever being that big. I mean, me and you, me and you have grown up in the era of answering machines. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen one that large. I had radios that were bigger than that. Well, but I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that I can understand. I just wow. I mean that is a huge answering machine. It seems like a bit a lot of effort. It is. That it is the like a lot a little payoff. It is the whopper. The War Games whopper <laughs> of answering machines. It is. <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, so she, so yeah. The the Bauer character. She, she doesn't want to get married. She doesn't want to be tied down. So on so on and so forth. Uh, and you know, part of the movie is that you know Bridges doesn't really know her at all. But, you know, he makes this empty marriage proposals to her and she's independent to the point of self-involvement as if there were some kind of virtue or aspiration. Uh, and Bridges, he, he wants things to make sense. And I think that that's kind of key. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that's kind of key or maybe I'm just making it out to be more than it is in this movie. You know, but everything and around everything and everyone that's around him wants to subvert, you know, yeah. sense made. Well, uh, so so the Bauer person. The Bauer uh, character, she's a person to be suspicious of, especially uh-huh. in how she's first shot, yeah. which is, you know, she's first shot as a, a shadow talking on the phone. And this is only bolstered by her vague, like, sort of foreignness mm-hmm. uh, quality, mm-hmm. foreign quality that she has, and her constant evasions of everything. And of course, this all plays out exactly as you would expect it to play out. Right. Uh, you know, because she she's kind of like an interesting, sort of colorful character. She pops up, and like you said, she does you know interesting things like you know oh we got to wear pants. You, this is you know you can't wear pants, and so she takes her pants off in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's 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 empty. At yeah. the end of the day, it's empty. It, it's it's trying to be this. Um, it's trying to be this this metaphor with a whole lot of meaning to it. I think. Yeah. And especially once you get to the end of the movie, because it comes back around to it again. Yeah, uh, I think it, 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 it's it's so it's so 
offhanded, like so much else to this movie is yeah. that it's just it, it is devoid of meaning. Then, uh-huh. uh, even though it's it's sitting there like poking you in the fucking face and being like, look at how look at look at look at look at look at how many. Look, look yeah, at, I think the only thing I think the only thing interesting about the Belinda Bauer and Jeff Bridges relationship is I think Bridges' character sex. Sees, well, that that is interesting. That's always interesting. Uh, I think you do get to see some of Jeff Bridges' pubic hair here, so that's nice. You might. Um, he, uh, he was not an early shaver. Uh, hey, you know, teach their own. I mean, he, he, he's a good-looking kid in the seventies, right? right? Um, the uh, I think the 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 for me, the what I got from it was is that she is quote unquote his escape, but all she really wants is to be part of his world. And come to find out, and I don't think this is a spoiler, she is part of his world because she's yeah. part of the media. Yeah. And the media is... Well, con- and, and beyond. Yeah, the media and beyond is controlled by Paul. Which, by the way, yeah. it is so irritating in this movie to hear him talk to John Houston all the time, calling him Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just, I get tired of hearing well, him say Paul. I mean, but that's, but that's another, th- you know, that's, that's that sort of that sort of uh you know sort of in that we're supposed to be getting yeah. with the bridges character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is you know oh i i'm you know, i'm rich but i'm not like yeah, these other rich people i'm not rich yeah. but it's like dude who the fuck are you kid yeah and that's that's what irritates me about it is that you know it's like i, I just fucking stop stop yeah. with the fucking the this this va- the, you're not like us you're not like us don't play it like us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's not mm-hmm. if you want to go down this road okay fine i understand that i can get behind that if you if the character is interesting he's not interesting yeah. he's trying to be an everyman and he's not an everyman no and so he's trying to fucking play both sides of the the coin and and succeeding at neither mm-hmm. and that's this movie in total is it's trying to play you know two ends against the middle and it's, it's, it is failing miserably. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, it becomes pretty clear. Okay. As we get into the third act of this movie, it becomes very clear that, you know, on the whole, the, the, the whole, uh, MacGuffin of the movie is just this wild goose chase. Uh, so even if you get answers, they're not going to satisfy. Mm. Uh, and while I think that that's, you know, that's, I, 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 think or and or suspect that that's kind of the whole point of the movie uh as we've been shown you know from the start and and anthony perkins makes crystal clear towards the end um along with you know the the whole you know sort of vague offhanded commentary on circles of power i think that you know i think that maybe just maybe audiences didn't really want their conspiracy thrillers to be as sort of um vaguely existential as this movie kind of tends towards yeah. as we get into like the last half hour of it yeah. or 25 minutes of it. Uh, I mean, when we get to this, like this highly symbolic finale, uh, I don't think we're in any way shocked. <laughs> no. Uh, and I, for one was kind of befuddled, uh, in the first place, how Houston got into the, the actual physical position in which he finds himself. <laughs> yeah. Like it literally just, you, you walk there's a cut and then he's he's there what (laughs) when did that happen yeah i know i know i blinked but i didn't think it took me that long he took his speedo off and then uh yeah that that just happened he tripped (laughs) he tripped taking the speedo off it caught him in the ankle um and i I think that 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 this kind of points to the film's achilles heel is that you know it, it is it's 
it's offhanded mm. uh, in its attitude. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that it really, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't take its, its thriller or comedy aspects all that seriously. So it's mm. not as funny or as thrilling as it, I, I guess, wanted it to be. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's very, very tough to get much out of, yeah. uh, as everything in it, you know, the silly and the sober, uh, because it's, it's so inconsequential. It, it yeah. you know, I, I think, I think that it's, the movie is interesting as a curiosity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that it's great on any level because I don't think it is, mm-hmm. um, I think it's worth seeing as an intriguing misstep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I give it a lot of credit for that. Uh, I give it a lot of credit for its intent. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was kind of reminded while, while watching this thing of the, uh, the Illuminatus trilogy, which was co-written by Robert Anton Wilson. Yeah. Uh, but I remember liking that book more, uh, than this movie. And it's a long book. Uh, <laughs> so just to give you an idea, yeah. uh, Ultimately, I think that, you know, I'm, I wind up being almost dead on the fence of this one, leaning more towards disliking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, I mean, like I said, I mean, just, it's, it's so casual about everything Yeah. that, you, you know, you almost just kind of feel like a certain, a certain just, you know, sneering at the audience, uh, in, in, in thinking that, you know, oh, look, I'm so fucking clever. You should fucking like me. Yeah. And if you don't fuck you, because you're a jerk, yeah, and I'm rich, that that's, that's and that's kind of the idea that you get out of the movie. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's what you talk about, though. Yeah, that all kind of comes back to the the director and the filmmaking and what they're trying to go for. And I just don't think, I think in the right hands, this could have been more interesting. Also, I, I think, think they should have just went more bonkers with it. It's pretty bonkers in spots. There's no doubt. It's odd, right? But yeah, but it it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't fully it, commit to it though. Yeah, and if you're gonna do it, just fucking do it. Yeah, just commit, and and I really wish it would have committed a bit more, as as bonkers as it gets in spots, and it does get pretty bonkers. Uh, there's a scene where he just gets on a horse and rides out into the middle of the west and just yells, "Pa!" Yeah, like, what? I, I need what? A, I needed more of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's but it's so disconnected. It's so. I don't even understand what's in the movie that part. So I mean, this thing is scrambled eggs. It is scrambled eggs. It, it's a it's a lot of ideas, and they're all scrambled up. And I think it's going to depend on the person who watches it what they get out of it. Some folks are going to get a lot, of, and this is why I think it. I'm surprised it's not a cult movie, because this is to me the definition of a cult movie. Some folks are going to love this thing. I mean, oh, yeah. they're going to love it. I know of at least one that I've talked to in social media who loves it, and I totally understand that. I totally get it. It makes total sense to me. I, I get, I get why you could. I disagree with you. Sure, doing it. sure, sure. There's and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the thing, you know. I think that when you know, a lot of times when I pick movies for the show, you know, I pick them with the 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 honesty of the debate in mind. You know, I mean, I don't pick them because look, I love this movie, Todd. I want you to watch it. Uh, that's, that's hardly ever. And I know that's not the way you pick it either. You tend to be like, well, this is on my to watch pile. I kind of want to watch it and I think I'll pick it or hey, I remember liking this or I remember not liking it. Let's, let's go back and look at it. And, you know, I mean, I know we just, we pick movies at random. We don't really put a lot of thought into it because that's not the heart of the show. The heart of this show is to just talk about our love of cinema 
and that's going to be a miss every now and then. And this one's a bit of a miss. But at the same time, I got to say, it's an infinitely curious miss to me. It's it's odd. Um, if all, I, I agree with you. It falls more on the side of I didn't like it as much as I want to like it. Like sure. there's there's a part of me well, that I also, really I wants think, to like it, right? I I also don't. Well, yeah, and I I also don't think that this movie has anything else to say beyond a first watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really don't think it does. No, I don't either. I think it, uh, if and anything, I think that, I think that, that that's really a hard detriment to it. Yeah, if anything, because it, that's this, this is the sort of thing which should have layers to it that you know become more and more. Uh, I can't think of the fucking word that I'm trying to think of, but over time, well, that's what yeah, well, that's where that cameo stuff, that cameo cast stuff, kind of comes into its own detriment. Is sure it'd be great to have Sterling Hayden and John Houston do a scene together, sure, uh, because you know one of them would not know how the other one's speaking, mm-hmm. and and uh, then it'd be great to have Toshiro Mifune and uh, Ralph Meeker do a scene together, or. Eli Wallach and uh, Anthony Perkins do a scene together, which maybe they have in their history. But that's what I—that's what you want to see. You want to see more interaction with these actors. What you really end up getting is this kind of weird travelogue of great actors in cinema history, and Jeff well, Bridges like kind of like interacting Day, with them. It's like a Macy's Day Parade. Of- yeah, yeah, and Jeff Bridges kind of interacting one-on-one with them. Like I don't even think Mafune and Houston share the screen at any given point. I don't think they do. Even though they share the house, uh, they don't share the screen. <laughs> so yeah. it's one of those kind of movies. Uh, and again, I think it's developed a little bit of a cult following. I mean, I know there's a Kino Blu-ray out there, and I believe it has a commentary track on it or something. It would need it. And I, yeah, and I am curious. I, I, I'd be lying to you. Remember we talked about earlier about how uh, I'll buy movies that I don't really expect to watch over and over again. Uh, but yeah. this is one that I would not mind owning for that. If next time Kino has a sale, I see me picking this up because I want to know more. I'm sure there is a lot more to know than what we see. Uh, the movie itself, though, unfortunately, will always be the movie it is, which is kind of middling. Uh, to mm-hmm. be to be to be nice about it is it's pretty middling in some ways, uh, in a lot of ways, and. Uh, it's kind of a shame because with a cast like that and everything else, I, you know, my biggest concern going back and looking at it, I had seen it before, but my biggest concern was the direction because the direction has always kind of felt empty. And, uh, I knew going back and watching it, that that was one of the biggest problems I had with it originally was the direction itself. And it, and it continues to be a problem. So anyway, neither here nor there. I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I mean, I think we pretty much, talked about this thing as far as as we can talk about it so right i mean i think it's it's certainly a super interesting curiosity um and by super interesting i mean definitely worth your watch at least one time what you get out of it though uh you know i think it's going to come down to the person i don't think it's going to be there's no way for me to tell if people will dig this or not like i couldn't even like like Will Will for instance, I don't think Will's seen this, but I couldn't tell you what Will's reaction to it would be. Uh, I yeah, uh, I'd be curious about that. I don't. I would suspect he would not particularly care for it overall. 
Never know. I think he would come down straight in the middle almost. Yeah. Uh, almost like a hair more than me. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, Hey, that's blowing smoke also. So yeah. So who knows, right? Who knows? Who knows? Let's get into make or breaks MVTs. All right. Uh, make or break for me is the first attempt on Bridges life. I, I, this scene really kind of sets the, the timbre for the, uh, the film's approach of, of suddenly turning on a dime, uh, without warning or sense. Uh, and you know, I kind of like that ambitiousness. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the, the problem is in the, uh, the payoff thereafter, uh, MVT, uh, for <laughs> as, uh, as funny as it, uh, <laughs> as funny as you would think it's the cast, mm. uh, because even when they just show up in like a walk on, uh, it's, you know, entertaining to watch these guys in that star fucking sort of way. Uh, yeah. That shows like Love Boat and Fantasy Island made their bread and butter, um, because that's very much what this feels like in a lot of ways, and it's as vacuous and empty as uh, Love Boat and Fantasy Island were uh, to begin with. Mm. Uh, I think uh, score for me is six out of ten, and I got to tell you, I struggled to give it that much. Yeah. Um, but uh, I could see people being higher. I could see people being a hell of a lot lower. Oh yeah. Um, I could see people but, absolutely hating this thing. Absolutely oh, hating absolutely, it. Yeah, a hundred percent. There's there's people who are going to watch this thing and just loathe it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm. I think that it's for me. It's because I'm. I struggle so hard with trying to impose meaning on it. When I think that maybe that's kind of a wasted effort in this case. Mm, mm. Uh, but it's one of those things where, much like when I go to something like Escape from L.A which is a movie that I fucking loathe <laughs> yeah. uh, and think should not exist in this world. Uh, <laughs> but I will go back to it and be like, there has to be something. There has to be a quality in this thing. There has to be. There has to be, and I'm going to force myself to fucking watch it until <laughs> I can make this thing have a quality. And it has not worked up until this point. Uh, and I think that's kind of where I, why I'm coming in as high as I am on this thing. So. Yeah, Escape from L.A. is interesting. I think I've seen it one oh. time, and I remember wanting to like it so badly, obviously for reasons that don't need any explaining. I loved Escape from New York, but oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember both adoring certain aspects of it, like the cast, which is kind of yeah. similar to this Warrior Kills thing, and then also being embarrassed for some of the cast in some ways. Ah, uh, yeah. And again, Winter Kills. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there we go. What do you think these girls are doing? Kills, just the, escape, the escape from L.A. of 1979. Yeah. Playing with my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well be. Yeah. And one girl that's on the golf cart with him, uh, she was in Hollywood Boulevard, that Joe, early Joe Dante, Alex, uh, Alan yeah. Arkish film. I can't remember her name. Candace something. I can't remember her last name. Shame on me, but. I liked her in that movie. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, my MVT for this one, uh, well, I'll go with Make or Break first because it's tied to the MVT. Um, it's the scene. <laughs> it's got to be the Speedo scene because it's it's <laughs> it's not what you expect. But it's actually a pretty well-acted scene, too. It's kind of fun. Um, watching John Houston walk around like that is, is pretty uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but... At the same time, it's 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 kind of fun because it just shows you the kind of character that John Houston was. Like you just 
you know, everybody's heard stories about him. You know, he he's not the kind of guy I don't think I would have wanted to hang out with. Um, but he's certainly an interesting guy. Uh, you can't can't say he wasn't an interesting guy. Uh, MVT, I'll go with Houston himself. I, I think he's he's really good in this movie. He's the standout in a movie full of uh, big moon name stars. I mean, he's really the standout to me. Um, when he's on screen, I think the movie kind of pops a little bit and moves a little bit more. It's got a little bit more well, he's, energy. He's, he's one of the most animated things in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he, he's got some of the most important dialogue, and he's pretty much the storyteller in a lot of ways. Like, he's like, oh, you so you think this is what it was about, huh? No, this is what it's about. Obviously, he's you know stalk, talking directly to the audience as much as he's talking to the Jeff Bridges character, but um, so that does help. But I think you know Houston has a certain charisma too that you know because he's not an attractive man, John Houston, but he he's got this face that is unique, and certainly you can see how he can be a filmmaker because he's got storyteller ability. Like even when he acts, he's got this ability. Well, he's a character in every sense of the word. Yes. Yeah, like he, he knows how to tell a story sure. you know, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Sure. Um, my score is just a little bit higher in yours. I give it a 6.5. It's a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a unique mess. Um, and I think it's worth at least a one-time viewing if you're a film fan. Uh, what you'll get from it uh, depends on you, uh, not so much on anything the film can give you. I think it's uh, it really kind of comes down to your personality. And uh, it could be a personal film for you, or it could be a uh, something that you're like, "What in the hell did I just watch? Why I'll never, I'll never even look at that again. I might not ever watch another Jeff Bridges movie again. I like dislike that so much. <laughs> it's possible that might be your reaction. Who knows? Um, but I'll, I'll tell you that it's you've probably never seen nothing like it. Though that that I'll say it's it's odd <laughs> to say the least. Also, great name, Ralph Maker's character, Game Boy Baker. Great, great character name, <laughs> Game Boy Baker. I love that. Um, all right, that was before Nintendo yet. Yeah, <laughs> should have copyrighted that. Yeah, right. Uh, that's our thoughts on uh, Winter Kills. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back and talk about uh, U-turn. Oliver Stone's U-turn from '97. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> I guess I could have played a J-Lo song for uh, this. See, and I didn't think that we were going to have Roxette on the show. Nice. Well, Roxette. Whoever that was. Well, Tegan and Sarah. There you go. There for you. Um, all right. Um, this is U-Turn. And uh, this is an interesting pick. So we've never done, that I'm aware of, an Oliver Stone film on the show. Now, I could be wrong. There's been midnight rides and all these things that Will's done. 
these one-offs and things like that. And maybe, maybe he covered that at some point. I don't know. Uh, he never said any. I don't. I don't recall it. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Don't. Rec- but I certainly know this hasn't been covered on the show. But Oliver Stone's an interesting filmmaker. He uh, reminds me of the '80s and the early '90s quite a bit. Um, uh, coming of age in those eras, and he had a hell of a run. He had a one hell of a run. Uh, and we'll get into that here in a minute. But this is U Turn '97. A man heading to Vegas to pay off his gambling debt before the Russian mafia kills him, is forced to stop in an Arizona town where everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of Murphy's Law. Uh, yep. Neo-noir, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, some fun cast members. And everybody, kind of like our first film, kind of showing up and doing their thing, it seems like. <laughs> that definitely felt like the case. Uh Yeah. It's like, hey, I got this idea for the character, and Oliver Stone was like, yeah, go for it. I mean, <laughs> some characters have southern accents. Some characters don't. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the cast, the cast, I think, is strong, though I think that most are either playing it really broad, uh, Voight and Thornton and Nolte, or they're playing it really straight, like Booth and Penn. Um, and I think that they mix, they mix it up nicely, uh, since the movie is so elevated to begin with stylistically. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that being said, <clears throat> I, you know, as, as the standout in the cast, I got to kind of lean towards, uh, Thornton in this one, because I think that he really does a, a nice job with this, like this classic, uh, Cooter esque hick, uh, that he plays for all of you Dukes of Hazard fans out there. Um, but it, it, at the same time, he's actually kind of like pretty sharp. And he just he he delights in uh, twisting the Sean Penn character's nuts, and kind of showing him that he's <laughs> yeah. not as stupid as he appears just because he's a mechanic. Yes, <clears throat> he's and fun. I love that. You know, he's fun in the movie. I love I like him. Oh yeah, and I love that uh, Stone mixes in animal sounds whenever. Uh, yeah. You know, whenever he gets into it. Yeah. With uh, with Sean Penn. Yeah, that's a bit of his teacher. Uh, I think he was. Uh, he went to New York Film School. I think when Scorsese was teaching there a little bit. So. A little bit of a raging bull coming out in some of those yeah. scenes. Yeah, yeah. So this is definitely so. I look at Oliver Stone in two phases: uh, pre Natural Born Killers, yep, and post Natural Born Killers, <laughs> yep. Uh, and I say that because to me, he changes as a filmmaker post Natural Born Killers. Uh, I know Natural Born Killers has its fans. Uh, I enjoy some of Natural Born Killers. Uh, I don't love Natural Born Killers. That's uh, I'll say that. I certainly do not love it. I think it's a uh, it's a fever dream and a mess. And uh, I understand why it's got its fans. Again, kind of like Winter Kills and potentially maybe even this movie. Um, but I'm not a huge fan of it. But before that, he did uh, you know a couple horror films, Seizure in the Hand, uh, which are both interesting. But he really kind of hits his stride with Salvador, Platoon, Wall Street, Talk Radio, Born on Fourth of July, The Doors, JFK, yeah. Yeah. and Heaven and Earth. And all those films to varying degrees of stoneness. But what you can say, <laughs> it's funny to say stoneness. Um, <laughs> what you can say about that is that 86 to 93, Stone is pretty much firing on all Oliver Stone cylinders. Yeah. Whether, whether well, you like him or not is is a matter of taste, but he certainly that's his 
I'd say that's the the gist of his filmography to me is right in that area. Yeah, I mean this this particular movie is when Stone was very much up his own ass style wise, oh, yeah. and that had reached this apotheosis with Natural Born Killers, obviously three three years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I I I looked at, at his filmography when I I brought this one up. And I realized just how little of it I had seen and or was even interested in. Wow. Okay. Um, I think that he's an interesting filmmaker, but I just think that what he's talking about and the way that he's talking about it just has no meaning to me. Mm. Uh, as you know, it's much more about, I, I always get the sense whenever I, I see Oliver Stone that it's more about Oliver Stone talking about mm. Oliver Stone's take on these things yeah. than it is about uh, about uh, having any sort of level of uh, of truth uh, to anything or being any sort of a revelation about anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it's more about him venting his spleen about this, <laughs> that, or the other thing. Yes. Uh, then I think that it's about um, and that and that's why that I would gravitate more towards this or more towards the hand or more towards something that was less in the popular spectrum, mm, uh, mm. or political spectrum, uh, than, uh, than, uh, than a lot of his other stuff. Uh, you know, a perfect example of the doors. I have no interest in the doors. I hate the doors. Yeah. I, I think they were a horrible band. Yeah. I don't like Jim Morrison. I could not give two shits about Jim Morrison or his life or, you know, his, his, his downfall or anything else about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we have an, an, an X hour long fucking movie about it. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Fine. I understand that. And for people who love the doors, fine. Go great. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. I love you. Um, not for me. Uh, but this I find interesting. Uh, Natural Born Killers I would have found interesting if he hadn't, you know, like I said, just gotten so radical about it mm. in, in in this this weird pursuit of a statement uh, that that he wound up just fracturing things to the point of uh, it, I don't want to use this word, but I'm gonna idiocy. Mm. Um, I think with natural born killers, mm. I think that he, he kind of in this one, he reined it back. He reined it in a little bit. And I think that this movie particularly benefits from better writing, mm. uh, the natural born killers, because I don't think the natural born, natural born killers is a very well written movie to no. be perfectly honest. No. Um, no. and I think that, you know, I think that stone does a better job here than he did in natural born killers because he kind of plays more to the material, than to the style, mm. even though he's using the style in this thing. And I think that he uses the style in this thing a little more pointedly and a little more well-aimed uh, than Natural Born Killers. Yeah, uh, And I think that, that that comes through, like the, the credit scene in this, is. I think that, that perfectly encapsulates that because it, the, the, the style and the schizophrenic quality, you know, because the, the, the Sean Penn character is constantly changing the radio. In his car, so we're, we're like jumping here, we're jumping there, we're jumping. So we get that idea of uh, of of things not being things being off kilter to begin with. Mm, yes, um, and certainly his life being off kilter. And mm-hmm, I think that that's mm-hmm. kind of what the movie is getting at. And John Ridley, uh, you know, being a better writer, I think, and this is a personal opinion for all you Tarantino fans out there, being a better writer than Quentin Tarantino is. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think. Tarant- uh, the problem with Natural Born Killers is I think the story's by Tarantino, but I think the script is completely rewritten by Stone himself. 
Yeah, it was uh, because I remember reading it before it got made. I yeah. remember reading the script before it got made, and it's an okay script. Yeah, uh, but it really got it really it did get uh, really fucked with uh, when uh, when Stone got his his mitts on it. Yeah, because there's a uh, but like but that great... being said, again, I, you know, I mean, the the general gist of what I'm, I'm getting at here is that I'm not the biggest Stone fan. Yeah, I, or I'm not I'm not. What have you seen? I, I, I find it weird because I, it's, it's just it's it's odd because I would think that none of his movies has ever attracted me. Yeah, like well, very few of his movies has ever attracted me. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I, I can get that. I can understand that completely. What have you seen? Do you know? What, I've what? seen JFK. Okay. Uh, I've seen this. Um, you seen Natural I've Born seen Killers? The Hand. You seen Natural Born Killers? I've obviously. seen Natural Born Killers. Okay. Um. Christ, that might be it. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, if I'm being honest, yeah, uh, I would, I, I would have to go look. Uh, well, but platoon, Salvador, Wall Street, nope, nope. talk, nope. Ra- talk radio, no, talk, talk radio? radio. Yeah, I like talk radio. Yeah. I like talk radio, but talk that was written good. by Eric Bogosian, wasn't it? Yeah, that's pretty much a, a filmed version of Bogosian's uh, right, kind right, of right, stage right. play. Here I like there. that one. I like yeah. that one. And yeah. again, you know, maybe that's because you know Bogosian. Um, <laughs> might be. Might be. But what else? This uh Savages, no. Uh Platoon, no, Talk Radio. Born on the Fourth of July, no. Uh Heaven and Earth, no. Nixon, no. Any given Sunday, no. Alexander, no. World Trade Center, no. Uh Savages, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no. Yeah. So so that's interesting. So, you know, it, it just to me that the I think sometimes people just are attracted to filmmakers or they just tend to make stuff that you're just not interested in. And I think that happens a lot. I can't think of one off the top of my head for me, but I'm sure there are more than a handful of filmmakers that people probably champion that I just, for whatever reason, have no interest. And I think that's totally, that's totally fine. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, Um, no, no. Um, well, but I think I think that the people get a little uh, get, get a little prickly when it comes to Oliver Stone because he's 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 in quotes you know an important filmmaker, uh, right? Yeah, okay, I can see where your angle is there, but and 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 I so to varying degrees, I think Platoon's a masterpiece. I think that's a great film. Mm-hmm. I think Salvador's fine. I think it's good. I think Salvador, I, I would be kind of interested. in. So I think I think from Salvador to Heaven and Earth to me. He's pretty much on par with anybody. Like he pretty much owned the mid '80s to the early '90s in some regard. I, I love all those films, um, but well, I don't know if love is the right word. But I certainly appreciate and like all those films a lot. Sure. Again, for me, he's pre-Natural Born Killers, post-Natural Born Killers. Nixon's kind of mixed in there, and I do like Any Given Sunday. I've seen Alexander. I've seen World Trade Center. These movies are fine. They're not uh, great by any stretch of the imagination. But I think, you know, he really reached his apex with Platoon because I think that's his most personal film because that's about him. And yes, yeah. and uh, it works well. Although I do agree with you, Talk Radio is fantastic. People who haven't seen Talk Radio, you need to check it out. It's a great movie. Um, but there's other stuff in there. Now, I think he was considered important because he won an Oscar for Platoon. And I think he won an Oscar for writing for well, Midnight Express, right? Well, and and also because of JFK, is what he gets yeah. a lot of yeah, which uh, a lot of cre- credence for. Yeah, he ran a lot of mileage on that, and I think he's still working yes. on that. Like I think he's got yes. something coming out where he's <laughs> he's going. Yeah, JFK: Destiny Betrayed, a TV series documentary he's working on yeah. right now. Which so, and you know he's had a very I mean, that that that's beating a horse into glue, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. But he's 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 uh he's kind of rode that train 
uh, rode that train, ridden that train, riding that train. I don't know. Anyway, he's on that train. He's been riding that train for a long time. It's very important to him, and which is also kind of it's a, it's also kind of weird that we picked these two movies and JFK is such a big part of both of them. So yeah, right. It's very strange. There's what's well, not planned. I promise you. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into this one. So this is neo noir. I think uh, Roger Ebert summed it up best with his review of this film in that I think the first line of his review, if I remember correctly, I don't have it pulled up, and so I won't quote it directly is that you're not really sure what's going on in U-Turn, but Oliver Stone knows what's going on, and that seems to be the most important thing. <laughs> and I could kind of see that, yeah. Well, I think I think that there is I think that there is stuff going on here. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's it's actually, you know, I think that when you get into this movie, you get when you get into the style of the movie, I think that the style and and Stone's style here mm-hmm. I think that it plays very strongly into the film's story because I think that this is a very, in my opinion, uh, bear in mind, this is a very metaphysical story. I think that, you know, yes, this falls into the whole neo-noir camp or maybe post-neo-noir or whatever, if there is such a thing. But, you know, I think that ultimately this film takes the noir themes of things like the inescapability of fate and your past and, and turns them into literally hell. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, and that's the, the small town that he, he winds up in. It's, it's hell, you know, it's hot, it's desolate. Yeah. It's full of nothing but, 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 uh, bad and temptations, which are essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that there's, there's the moment with, uh, Claire Danes, uh, where she asks why Patsy Cline doesn't put out any more records. And Penn looks <laughs> at her and says, you know, because she's dead. Uh, and I like to think that that's because, you know, Dane is dead like everybody else in this town and mm. unaware of anything that's happening, you know, quote up above, uh, so to speak. And then, mm. you know, the jukebox plays ring of fire. Yeah. Or, and maybe that's just my confirmation bias on my part, maybe, but I think that that's kind of the essence of what this movie is, mm. uh, is it's not really like a literal, you know, f- you know, on earth sort of, uh, yes. noir movie. I think that it's, it's playing yeah. in, in a, in a little more well, fantastical, uh, uh, landscape and i think that that's what appeals to me honestly. yeah you bring you bring up an interesting point because i think all of for me all of stone's films are metaphysical in some weird way it's like he okay all right he had a life-changing experience when he went to vietnam sure uh as you would uh sure. if you were in combat and things like that he came from a, a pretty good posh upbringing from what i understand he joined uh to fight in vietnam he didn't have to do any of that. He could have went to college and all this other stuff. It changed his life. He came back, became a filmmaker, uh, started writing and stuff, and then became a filmmaker. Uh, he found success. He is a little full of himself. I'll totally agree with that statement as well. But I think all of his films in some way are about some type of search for divinity or some type of metaphysical existence. Uh, if you think about The Doors... Uh, you think about Jim Morrison, who was always either drunk or high, probably trying to escape from reality. And that seems to be Oliver Stone in a lot of ways. Like he, he, I think reality is, even though he seems to be obsessed with it, I think he's also like, it's really weird dichotomy that he seems to be repulsed by it at the same time. Well, that's really interesting that you bring it up in that, in that light. And I think that that, you know, is, is, uh. I think that that's kind of maybe turning me a little bit towards yeah. uh, liking him a little bit more just in like the past 
two minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I, I just think it's interesting you said that because I get the same vibe. I mean, this movie, this movie doesn't exist in any world outside of Oliver Stone's world. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is Oliver Stone's, and it's it's a it's a. I didn't put together the Oliver Stone's version of Hell, but I can totally see that because this is, man, there, there's not a good character in this movie in a lot of ways. Everybody is pretty much. Com- uh, commendable of some sin of an one yeah. or another. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of great actors who are known to be <laughs> characters off a screen, off screen as well, off a screen, off screen as well as on. Um, it's great to see Nick Nolte and Powers Booth back together. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those Breaking two guys could, yeah, those two guys could be in movies together for the rest of my life, and I'd be happy. I would fucking love it. Yeah. Powers Boo's so great, man. He just he yeah. he's got this delivery yeah. and this look that just it's so great. And of course, Nolte is there's nobody he gets like Nick. No Nolte. credit for fucking Deadwood when he was on Deadwood. No, he in gets the, none. in the latter half there. <clears throat> he doesn't, and he was great on that show. Oh my god, yeah. And Nolte, you know, I know he's become a caricature of himself. I know that, and I know we we have fun. Poke. I mean, he's just he's 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 like Gary Busey <laughs> with an anger streak. <laughs> You know, he's like Gary Busey without anger management training. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, can you imagine him and Gary Busey working together, like a buddy cop <gasps> movie? I'd, I'd, I'd be down My for that. My God, uh, I'd be down for that. Anyway, so I think you bring up an interesting point because part of the problem. I, so here's here's the biggest issue I have with this movie this time around, and boom, I'm just going to smack it right in the face. Okay. This fucking thing is long. It is longer than you would think. Yes. And it really it does have it, it doesn't does have pacing Yeah, issues. it doesn't need to be that long. That's the biggest hang up I have with this movie is that it just it hangs around and hangs around and it's like, okay, yeah. I got this idea for this scene and I got this idea for this scene and I got this idea yeah. for this it, scene. It could, it could stand to be much more direct, mm-hmm. especially uh once you get the Perez character showing up and the the interaction with that, you could absolutely go into the you could absolutely skip like twenty minutes of this movie. Sure, sure, completely. But in saying that, I do like a lot of the scenes in this movie, and I do like the acting in this movie quite a bit. Now everybody's on ten, and what's great is is Sean Penn is like, what is wrong with all you fucking people? Yeah, <laughs> I like his reaction to the character. Now, from what I understand, Stone and Penn didn't get along making this movie, but that's not unusual. Sean Penn can be uh quite difficult he takes himself very seriously um uh, i'm not i'm not judging him one way or another he is who he is he's always been that way um from what i understand even back before he was a star even in fast times ridgemont high he was difficult to deal with so he's just he's just a difficult personality Uh, this movie's full of difficult personalities i can imagine i can imagine nick nolte being quite interesting to work with Uh, i can imagine john voigt who is also a difficult personality Sure. Powers Booth, I don't know enough about, but I've heard some things over the years. The cast is fun, and Joaquin Phoenix, who can also be a difficult personality, from what I understand, sometimes uh, he's only in it. A yeah, little the one bit. that seems the most the easiest to get along with like, would likely have been Claire Danes, right? Probably, uh, probably. Uh, her character's completely obnoxious, but yeah, her and so one of my biggest problems with this movie. Is some of so the Joaquin Phoenix and Claire Danes things almost feels like a commentary on the natural born killers thing in a way. <laughs> it does, <laughs> like he's yeah. commenting on himself. Yeah, my favorite yeah, yeah. scene in the movie. I'm just going to be forthright and say it now. My favorite scene in the movie is the diner scene. So they're in the scene. It's mm-hmm. the Patsy Cline scene, mm-hmm. but also it's a great moment for Julie Haggerty, who's a mm. an, you know who's an airplane. She has the most awkward wink, <laughs> uh, maybe in the history it, of cinema. In this, 
<laughs> but it's also great because you get Brent Bresco and uh, Bo Hopkins sitting at the thing. Just kind of sitting there fucking taking it all in. Yeah, and I wish we would have got more of those two guys because those two guys, again, you're, you're, you're speaking of this being Oliver Stone's maybe version of purgatory or hell. Right. It all makes more sense if you look at it in that way because otherwise none of this stuff is reality. It's all just oh, a bunch no. of craziness. Yeah. Yeah. And once you find out what's really going on with the Jake McKenna character, the Nick Nolte character, and the Jennifer Lopez character, it really takes an even darker turn. Yeah. And it gets it gets almost into some Lynchian slash Polanski type territory. And it really gets kind of bizarre. Now, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my age, maybe it is what it is. I don't I can't explain this to you, Todd. Maybe we'll talk about it as we talk about this movie. Maybe it'll come out in this therapy session we're having here. <laughs> but because everybody's on 10, I found this movie to be obnoxious this time around. Okay, fair enough. Now, I didn't. that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Well, I just found I, it I to be... I plays in too bad. Yeah, I I, mean, it, it can. But it, dude, it, you, you, you do not want to spend a lot of time with obnoxious no, anything. No, no. It, it so felt I like, think that that you know that that does yeah no I it, fe- I, I it felt fueled by cocaine it felt sure it felt ugly for the sake of ugly and and it, maybe the most distracting thing and I don't know if you're on board with this or not but I'm going to say it and this might be cinematic faux pas hmm. but Ennio Morricone's score for this film drove me nuts really. I did not like it at all. I thought that it, I, it did get a little more playful than I would have liked, but I could, I, I like that it, it kind of works kind of in, in a, in the way that his Westerns worked mm, mm. as well as just like more thriller. Cause this, this really felt a lot to me like his, uh, score for investigation of a citizen above suspicion. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I- um, I, I mean, I really got a heavy vibe of that mm. when I was watching this. Yeah, I cannot. Uh, and I think that in that in that respect, it kind of plays into in the same sort of way the the fantasy elements. Yeah. Because that movie is very much about you know a fantasy. I could not uh, get well. behind it, no matter how hard I tried. I mean. And that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it just for whatever Listen, reason it, it, it took it, me it, out. It, it, yeah, much like much like every and and certainly, uh, certainly as far as being. Um, one of uh, Stone's less accessible movies. This would be up there. Yes, uh, I think because it it is so resistant uh, in its style mm-hmm. uh, to 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 you know just lulling you in because mm-hmm. you know the the jumps and the the odd camera the switching uh, switching um, uh, uh, what you fucking call it stocks uh, you know yeah all of that stuff. It it all it all is is trying to to it is trying to put you off in the same way that Natural Born Killers was. But like I said, I mean, for me, um, I I think that the style for once actually plays into what the movie is. Mm, mm. Uh, so I I mean I and like I said, maybe that uh, like I maybe that's uh, me giving it more credence than it it deserves. Maybe not. No no no, because uh, I think. But, you know, all art, all books, all films. All, we talk about this all the time. It's all a personal thing. I mean, you, you want to react to it the way you react to it. It is. It is. But, I, I mean. If you'd have told me, because I saw this film. I've only seen this film twice. This is the second time, obviously. The uh, original, second time for me. Yeah, the original time I saw it. Uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I remember you saying you were kind of indifferent to it the first time you saw it. 
Ah, uh, yeah. I, I distinctly remember quite enjoying it while also not exactly liking it. There we go. And so for me, the first time I saw this, I thought, wow, this is that's that's really great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. It was what I needed okay. at that time. But this time yeah. around, looking at it with a critical eye, for whatever reason, it was too much. Okay. Well, see, uh, yeah. And I, and I was exactly the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I went at it the first time and I was like, eh, and I, eh, all right. And this time I was like, okay, now I kind of, I get it a little bit more. But you also got to remember when, when I first saw this thing, you know, it was at the time when I was heavily into crime fiction of the hard boiled variety. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I think I still might have the, the screenplay of this movie that I bought at like borders, nice. uh, borders bookstore. So, huh. um, bookstores, what's I, that? I, yeah, right. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> what are those? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this movie is definitely something that you kind of have to react to. Mm, mm. Um, and I think that that's kind of that's kind of the problem. I mean, like I said, is the accessibility uh, because of that reaction. Because you know, you you're forced immediately to either be willing to go along with it, or you're going to be like this is just going to irritate me. Yes. And I, and I could get either, I could get either fucking side of that coin. I could completely understand. It forces your hand, right? It It it, really does. And from frame one, it does this. Yeah. And that's kind of the way uh, for me, that's kind of the way. And that's one of the things I do appreciate about this movie is that's pretty much Oliver Stone in a nutshell. He forces your hand. He he's either, you're either going to like his movies or you're going to come away from them and be like, this guy's so full of shit. It's ridiculous. Well, and, or, like, or as you said, just obnoxious. Yeah. Like, I really don't like listening to this guy because he's fucking obnoxious and he's fucking full of shit. And I don't, you know, fuck <laughs> yeah. But it is in a weird way. It's like almost like Oliver Stone doing Lynch or Oliver Stone. It's almost like Oliver Stone making a movie based well, on it his. It feels like a lark in yeah. a lot of ways. Well, yeah. So it feels like Oliver Stone making a movie on based on his love of movies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah, though he yeah, just yeah. did a couple years before this, he does a quote unquote story by Tarantino. This feels more like that type of vibe, like a, a, a filmmaker making a movie who's seen a lot of movies. Because if you go back and look at Stone's other stuff, he's got kind of a unique way of doing things and it's, it's kind of interesting. But like I say, there's pre MBK and there's post MBK. And for whatever reason, it feels like he thought that he had to become this this kind of aggressive editing type filmmaker well it feels it feels like it feels like i i yeah in line with what you're saying how he had he felt like he had to be aggressive it seems like it, it that was how he maintains relevance mm-hmm. yeah so so th- i can i can yes. get my point across better if people are paying attention to me because yes. i'm so aggressive in my style yes that you know they have to talk about it yeah so i'm putting asses in seats because i'm putting eyes on this thing because love it or hate it you have to react to this thing yeah that is you took the words right out of my mouth i mean my next line was going to be oh it must have been while you were kissing me exactly do you ever talk with the wolf of the red roses the uh the <laughs> the the truth is that is what it feels like more than anything. It feels like, okay, I made natural born killers. Folks dug it. Some folks did. Some folks didn't. I made Nixon, even though I got some Oscar nominations and everything else, it wasn't nearly as big a deal. The climate is changing now. I need to remain relevant. I'll go back to the MBK, MBK well, a little bit stylistically and really show people 
this is how you make a noir film. This is how you make a, uh, this is how you make a movie for entertainment purposes. Now, I think yeah. the only person that this movie truly, 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 truly entertains is Oliver Stone. But there's nothing wrong with that. I, no. that, that can be okay. Sometimes filmmakers get away with it. They, they spent $16 million on this movie. It only made about $6 million worldwide. It was a dud. That would probably be because I don't know if they knew how to sell this movie. If I remember the trailers and the marketing and everything else for this movie, I, nobody really knew what it was. Um, I, I was attracted to it for numerous reasons. One, I was pretty much a Stone fan at that point. Two, the cast is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. Three, uh, I was younger, and Jennifer Lopez, honestly, I think is very attractive. And I still think she's very attractive. <laughs> that I mean, you know, whatever. But I, I do think she's very attractive. Uh, four, Billy Bob Thornton's very attractive. I think, you know, no, no, I'm just saying. Fuck yeah, especially in this. This teeth, yeah. Oh, I do like him playing Twister by himself. That is a fucking bite me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there, there, I mean, there, there is some. Fu- so for me, this is a movie that it has great scenes, but because it's so overlong and everything else, it's not a great movie. I'm not saying it's not a, it's not a bad movie. It's mm-hmm. just it's it's obnoxious. It's overlong. It's loud, it's intrusive, but it's interesting. I'll give it that. And yeah. it certainly has its own thing going. And I think it does have a good level of irony to it that I think you got to have with these kind of stories. I'm never really quite sure, and I don't think you're supposed to be. I'm never really quite sure how many times Jennifer Lopez and Sean Penn have to play off each other in this like go back and forth but it feels like complete paranoia and maybe that's the point right uh it's an interesting touch to say the least okay okay and again there's just these weird moments there's these these great scenes mixed in with what i consider just to be scenes that they it to me it just feels like they were on the set they had the actors there they're like you know what we got this street we got these actors let's just throw something together real quick and that's what it feels like to me a lot. And it just, it in that way, half of it I really dig and half of it feels really empty hmm. for me. Okay. Okay. Not nearly well, as I, meat, not, not nearly it, as much meat on the bone as I wanted. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I could, I could appreciate that. I, I gotta say I disagree. Okay. Um, as I've been saying, um, because I do think that there's stuff going on here, which is a little bit more, um, a little bit m- more depthy uh than than that um but i i could i i i absolutely a hundred percent agree with the with all that you're saying as well about it it being just as shallow as it is uh kind of um insightful maybe Uh, that's kind of giving it more credit than i think it deserves maybe but um so yeah you you were talking about prez i think that you know i think that she does the uh, the femme fatale thing pretty well uh, in this, and I think that Stone really makes a uh, pretty damn good use of her, uh, physically and thespianically. Um, you know, this was before she was Jenny from the Block, uh, and to me, much more appealing, personally. Um, but here, she, I think she's doing this really great sort of duality of being like, like, like coquettish and like toying with these men, and playing at some uh, white man's sense of like engine 
uh, naivete while being like really extremely dangerous. And I think that getting back to, you know, what, what I was saying before about this being like a metaphysical thing in hell and all that, I think that she's basically, she's supposed to be like the death character uh, in a lot of ways. And the scene where uh, she romanticizes jumping off the cliff and all of that comes after and, and everything that comes after that uh, is basically bringing that into focus, I think. Mm. Um, so even when she's trying to like push the pen character away, she knows she's drawn him in further. Uh, you could argue, I think that she's probably the most complex character in the whole movie, honestly. Uh, and that's, I think something that, yeah. well, or I should say something else that, uh, Stone and, and Ridley are getting at here to some degree or another is there's this angle, uh, of, of the Perez character where you, you get the sense that she married the Nick Nolte character out of, to get out of a, a, a bad life, whether it was being poor or what have you, doesn't really matter. Uh, and he married her because he could, and because she's an exotic trophy. Uh, and it's a sort of take on the abuses of, uh, of America on native Americans. Mm. Uh, or you could in fact read it as like any non-white race, really. Uh, and part of what Perez does in the film then is, you know, kind of a comeuppance uh, for that on like some kind of subtextual level. And I think that that's something that, you know, very much plays into Stone's wheelhouse and Stone's um, kind of, uh, you know, like uh, about what he likes to say with the, with cinema uh, is that, you know, it's it's uh, it's politically pointed in that way. Yeah, uh, I think for for uh, for for one of a better term. Um but then you get the the pen character who's you know he's playing the sort of guy who's very easy to say that he's uh, he's unlikable yet i think that he's compelling for two reasons one uh we love to see desperate people squirming uh mm. as things go from bad to worse and two uh we know nothing about the pen character other than that he's a degenerate gambler and apparently not a very good one uh and then he's had two fingers cut off so we sympathize just a little bit you know against our better judgment mm-hmm. um one of the more interesting aspects of the film's narrative and you talked about this and and i talked about this as well and and i I think that this plays into it being a little bit overlong um is that it puts the uh the nolte and perez angle to the back burner for an extended period of time um but i think that during this time uh, we kind of well i don't uh but i'm not saying that everybody doesn't certainly I, i think that you don't uh um we get to watch the uh, the pen character kind of spin out uh, up until the point where he can't see any other option uh, yeah. but to approach yeah. Nolte again. Yeah, it's like um, it's like the opposite. For so like Perez is uh, not Perez. By the way, you keep saying Perez. I think you mean Lopez. But the uh, oh, is that, oh, Rosie yeah, Perez is what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't mean to be that guy. So. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. But, you, but you just I, I fucked up. Yeah. You just no, made me Lopez. say Perez. You just made me say Perez. Um, <laughs> I think this is like the. I op- apologize, Miss Lopez. Yeah, this is like the uh, yeah Jenny from the block going to kick you in the ass. The uh, she could try. This is a uh, you'd like that. This is a uh, absolutely would. This is like the total opposite of like the Yojimbo thread, right? Like he comes into town and he's trying to play off of two different factions here, and he can't do it right, no matter how hard he tries. He's like such right. a mess, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so there is that aspect I like. This kind of befuddled, kind of dark comedy aspect to it. I do like. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, so he has to go to Nolte. Speaking of Nolte, uh, I think that he does a really great job with this tortured love angle that he's playing. Uh, and I think that there's this really, really, really great moment in the movie when they come to this agreement, Penn and Nolte, uh, where a clock chimes. 
and uh, the Nolte character grins at Penn like a Cheshire cat, like like his his act worked right. Like he just he pulled him in, he got him to do exactly what he wanted. And again, I feel that this plays into that whole hell angle, like he's the devil talking Penn into giving him what he yeah, wants yeah. in multiple ways. There is um, a GGTMC scene in here that is so GGTMC it hurts, and that's Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte, in boxer <laughs> shorts, this. yeah, in in boxer shorts with a crow on his shoulder and a pipe in his mouth reading the paper. I mean, you can't get you can't get much more GGTMC than that, man. And that's well, where there, the actually, Sterling Hayden thing came from. That him and the pipe, big time. There's there's two images in this thing that I thought were very very sublime and very GGTMC. One is. Sean Penn is a tennis pro, <laughs> which we get a couple of times in the movie. Uh, and then there's a very uh, naked Nick Nolte smoking a pipe and counting his money. That actually might be the scene. Of the two images, that's easier to believe, like in reality, is Nick Nolte sitting there smoking a pipe and counting his money than, ta- than uh, Sean Penn is a, a tennis pro. Um, yeah, unfortunately, in those two scenes, you see more balls in the tennis pro scene than we do in the other one. <laughs> I well yeah, and that's another thing is I, I think we get a little bit too much of uh of Sean Penn's ass. By the way, does Nick Nolte have the best orgasm face in the history of cinema in this movie? He very well might. <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah, uh, that is definitely in contention. Oh my god, <laughs> that should be in the discussion. Let's say for that one. Wonder, um, wonder if I can get a yeah, freeze no, frame I mean, of it. Let me get a freeze frame of that. And make it my profile pic. Oh, dude. <laughs> I might have to get back on uh, on Facebook for that one, um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the film is is it is wildly erratic. It is it is far from perfect, and Stone's stylizing, as we've said repeatedly here, can be absolutely off putting for a lot of po- a lot of folks. Uh, though I don't think I, for me, it doesn't get as much in the way here as it does in Natural Born Killers. Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, yeah. though, I think that you know. Uh, this is a very, very good neo-noir, and for me, uh, it has a higher place in Stone's filmography than it does for a lot of people. Mm. And again, that's without me having a whole lot to do with his filmography, to be perfectly blunt. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's the lack of politics in this one, or the lack of overt politics in this one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, but you know, I I got to say that. I will say that yeah, you you brought pretty you- high up. Yeah, you brought this up, and I didn't really think about it. Uh, it's as long with that hell comment. I didn't really think about this, uh, but you know the Native American aspect. So Stone is big time pro. Well, I think it's absolutely in. Yeah, there. he's pro Native American big time. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, the, that I didn't even think about the fact that that's in here. So that's a little bit of his politics bleeding through, but not. Again, I'll agree with you. This is probably his most non-political film that I can think of. Right. Well, his, the, the overtly, I think. Overtly, overtly. yes. I, yeah. I, I, I do think it is still political to a certain degree. Sure, sure. But I mean, but it, it's not as in your face as uh, as stuff like Snowden or stuff like right. uh, JFK or you know yeah. all of that sort. Of thing. Which I haven't seen anything past W. I think W was the last thing I watched. Okay. That's okay. the George Bush uh, kind of parody satire film. Yeah. Which is interesting, but also a mess. Good performance from Josh Brolin in that one, though. All right, is that all you got? Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what it was this time around. Just you know, didn't speak to me like it did the first time around. But again, it was still an interesting watch. Make or break for me, the diner scene. Although now that I'm thinking about it, Nolte's old face is pretty up there. Um, that was a sex scene with Jennifer Lopez. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, not to be crass, but it is what it is. MVT. I'm gonna go with. 
Bob Richardson, uh, the cinematographer. We didn't really talk about that much, but Bob Richardson used to be his cinematographer of choice, Stones. Uh, he's kind of moved around a little bit now. Tarantino uses him quite a bit nowadays. Um, I know he shot, uh, what, last five or six Tarantino movies, uh, four or five at least. I think he's been working with Tarantino since Kill Bill. Um, so, But uh, Bob Richardson's one of the best cinematographers. He's really good. And he worked with Stone for a long time, but I think they had a falling out. And I think they're getting back together now. So, you know, it happens, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the cinematography is my favorite thing about the movie because uh, it looks really nice. I, I, I cannot deny that. I really like the look. Um, certainly. I really like the scenes with Billy Bob Thornton, too, though. I mean, as obnoxious as that character can sometimes be, there's something menacing and disturbing about it, too. Yeah, yeah. It's really off kilter. Yeah. My score's a little higher than I think I anticipated, and I think it's because of some of the comments you made, to be honest with you. They kind of made me rethink it a little bit, but still a little mixed for me. I'll give it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay, fair. Very fair. Uh, All right. Uh, So for me, uh, make or break, I got to go with the ending. Uh, I think that, yeah, it's dragged out a bit more than it should be, Uh, but I also think that it's... um, it's fittingly bloodthirsty and morbid, uh, and I feel that yeah. it ties up all the themes of the picture while also being a very uh, satisfying in an ironic fashion, which yeah. you know falls right into the noir uh, category. Uh, MVT, I'm going to go with John Ridley. Uh, I think that the writing in this thing is strong enough that this could be something done in much straighter fashion and be just as good. Mm. Uh, and, uh, score, I am, I mean, obviously I'm coming in higher than you on this one. Uh, and actually I'm kind of surprised that I came in this high and am, am maintaining that, uh, that, you know, I didn't bring it down a little bit, uh, considering, um, the, uh, the, the picadillos I have with this thing. And that's a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I mean, the, the, yeah, this thing, I, I could absolutely see people loathing it. Yeah. Uh, a hundred percent. I, I get it completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it, for some reason, it works a lot better on the second time around. Uh, who knows? On the third time around, it might take a complete U-turn oh. uh, and uh, oh, nice. you know, tank. Yeah. See what I did there? I do want to hear the – I never heard the commentary track. There's evidently a commentary track for this with Stone, and I'd like yeah, to hear that. Yeah, I really I would, would. Yeah, I very much would want to listen to that. He does really good commentary tracks. Yeah, it's on the Twilight Time. Uh, Interesting. So, 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 again, this is a movie that uh, – for the right price, I will end up owning it. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So that is the big show. We hope you enjoyed. And that's about as divisive as me and Ty get. We're full point between each other. Ooh, man. <laughs> Look out. Call the call the cops. It's going to oh. get ugly in here. Um, that is the big show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. What are we doing next week, Todd? What do you got? What are you picking? I am picking uh, something very recent. Uh, from 2013, R100, uh, directed by, well, written and directed by Hitoshi Matsumoto. And that is, uh, yeah, that's an interesting one. I'll put it that way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've been itching to get this one on the show for a long, long time. And and last week I was just like, you know what, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, that's that's the way my picks mostly go as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mine is actually an Arrow uh, Blu-ray release. Uh, that I've been wanting to talk about for some time. It's a real late, late, late cycle giallo uh, made in Australia, of all places. And it might be, I think, the Filmed only... in Australia. Yeah, I think it might be the only Australian giallo. <laughs> the, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It is Italian, but it was made mostly filmed in Australia, so it, it gives yes. it a unique yes. feel. Yes. Um, and uh, it's got Ray Milland in it, so we get Ray Milland back on the show here. Mm-hmm. So that'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, after, what was it, Panic in Year Zero was probably the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Pajama Girl case from 1978, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Going to uh, some Jolly and some uh, Asian cinema. Nice. It should be fun. It always is. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to say here, but I don't think there is. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's like uh, we build, 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 and we're done. I got uh, Nick, Nol- Nick Nolte's <laughs> well, old face over like here. Nolte, <gasps> yeah. <laughs> oh, Grace, 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 uh, Grace. <laughs> What's going on, Sheriff? All right. Um, with that, I think that's I think that's pretty much it. With that, I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Yeah.